Hi, Lauren. Hi, Sam. Are you ready to talk about Cloverfield? I am, because after all, we are the watchers of movies. Hello. We have a special guest with us. We do. Mike is here. Is he, is he is. <laughs> Thank you for having me. We're all together separately. <laughs> yes. Zoom in. We're zooming. Yes. We're zooming. Um, yeah. Before we start, well, we are started, but I had something to tell you, Lauren, because I, I made a startling revelation this past week. On Memorial Day, I watched the movie A Little Chaos with Kate Winslet and the other guy from... Matthias Schoenarts? Yes, yes. And it's a very specific type of movie. I don't know if I'd recommend it to everybody. It was right up my alley, but I could see how people probably would be super bored by it or just wouldn't want to watch it. But they had a love scene in the movie, and Kate Winslet was covered up in the same fashion as she was covered up in Titanic. And I wonder if that's part of her contract for love scenes. That's weird, though, because she doesn't have a problem being nude on screen. I thought of that as well. Like, we know, like, we've seen her nude, but maybe she has a thing. Because in the love scene, I was like, why is she? It was like she was wearing the equivalent of a 1600s, like, bath towel around her. That's so, so weird. She must have. I, I'm now I'm and I'm like racking my brain thinking of if I've seen her in other love scenes. And I can't really think of any. The only one I can think of that she might have had a love scene in, actually two I can think of, is Revolutionary Road, but I don't remember, and The mm-hmm. Reader. I yeah. don't remember that one either. Well, it's just it's just something to pay attention to now, I guess. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if you could Google that, because I could, I could understand. I think having a love scene would be awkward in any capacity so like i could understand maybe being like i don't really know you and i don't really want your body your naked body on me you know what i mean but i guess but i mean like she's in the wrong business if that's yeah i agree i think that's it's kind of weird anyway i had to get that off of my chest so to speak (laughs) so was it good though would you recommend it to me do you think i'd like it i thought it was really good i thought it was a beautiful movie uh, but I can see how somebody might be bored by it. So right. I would recommend it to you with that caveat. I turned it on with the intention of like playing on my phone and watching it casually, but it pulled me in enough where I st- wasn't really playing on my phone. You know. Right. Anyway, I just had to bring that up. But okay. like I said, Mike is here. How are you, Mike? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, your audio. You, si- you muted yourself. That, there You're you testing go. the mute feature and it okay. works. That's good. I'm good. Good to know. Good to and know. And apart from that, I'm doing quite well. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I turned my fan off for the recording and it's it's warm in here. It's it's summertime. Yeah. yeah. It's like 85 degrees out or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be, I think it's going to be steamy on Monday, like ni- in the 90s, maybe. I'm looking at my weather app right now. It says it's 86 oh. degrees. Oh, nice. And on Monday, it will be 88 degrees. Oh, and humid, I think, probably. Probably. We are the watchers of weather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Mike, have you watched anything interesting lately? I've been watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine, um, which is on Netflix. And 
I saw something kind of randomly on Twitter. People were talking about, you know, DS9 is way better than Star Trek The Next Generation. And I kind of grew up with Next Generation. And I've always enjoyed it. And every few years, I kind of dip back into that. And I just started watching DS9 for the first time a few weeks ago. And it's pretty good. And it's got an ensemble cast. And something that someone pointed out on Twitter that I might not have thought about is that what makes it cool is that they, the, this ensemble cast of main characters don't get along. They're often at odds with one another and have different agendas. Whereas like on the next generation, they're all usually moving toward a single cause on the enterprise. So yeah, it's pretty good. And hopefully it gets better as they kind of find their stride. That is an interesting observation. I've seen a couple episodes with you and, and I didn't really put that together, but it is interesting that it's not like whatever Picard says goes. It's a little bit different on DS9. Yeah, and I think they, the way the show is framed, like the purpose of the space station is a, like a really political one with the planet that it orbits and how that planet's relationship with the Federation and whatnot. And so they weave that into a lot of storylines, I think. Like there's a lot of war elements and political elements and regimes and conflict. And yeah, it's pretty cool. That does sound pretty cool. Yeah, they deal with a lot of social issues like racism and school versus, what is it? School and state or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Lauren, have you ever watched The Next Generation? I have not. I started watching that um, from episode one because Mike likes it so much and it's uh it's pretty fun. Is it? Yeah. I should I should watch it. Um, it's on Netflix as well, yeah. Should we do our mini topic? We should do our mini topic. Yes. All right. Who Mike, you wanna go first since you're our guest? Yeah, sure. Are we gonna go like in rounds? Yeah, I think we'll go yeah. Around. Yeah. Um so this is Monster, Monster movies, movies that you either really like or really hate. All right. Well, I didn't really have one that I, I didn't think of any that I hate. And I just, there's probably ones that I would hate, but I just don't watch them. So <laughs> I have three Fair. that um, I like. And we can maybe debate whether you'd even call them monster movies or not. But for number three, I put Ghostbusters. That's the original oh, 1984 yeah. Ghostbusters, the classic And, um, it's, I think it's a super fun movie. It's really, it's a funny comedy and it's for the time it had awesome special effects and was pretty freaky and a fun assortment of monsters. And I remember when I was a kid, the very first ghost that you see scared the hell out of me there when they're in the New York library. Yeah. Same. And it's like this elderly woman and she sort of, sort of like jumps at the camera and it like, she warps from a woman into like this ghastly looking creature and then from then on it's more like just fun like that's where the Slimer characters introduced where I think when they filmed it they were calling him Spudhead because he resembled a potato or was (laughs) fashioned after a potato or something but Slimer became kind of a cultural phenomenon and he was the star of like a cartoon show later on and he was just kind of interesting and gross and funny and he slimes uh, Peter Vankman and that was kind of you know, iconic. And then of course, um, the terror dogs, uh, atop the, the building were, oh, pretty yeah. awesome. uh, they, they were like these, uh, gargoyle statues that 
sort of hatch into these real animals. Um, the puppets look pretty cool. They do some stop motion like stuff with them to show them running, which looks like shit now. But <laughs> and of course, the, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is maybe the most bonkers monster I've ever seen in any movie. And he threatened all of Manhattan. And uh, yeah, super, super weird and cool and creative. Yeah, I would consider that. I would consider that one because I Big think time. it's not. It's not just ghosts, you know. It's uh, it's all sorts of different stuff. Ghosts and ghouls terrorizing the city. Yeah, that first. My brother had a Ghostbusters book that was like, had like pictures from the movie in it, obviously. And I was so scared of that library ghost that I would skip those page that page because it was like I believe the book had like a two page. It was devoted like two pages. The whole, you know, you could open it up and it was the big picture of her. And it was so terrifying to me as a kid. I, if I ever looked at that book, which I don't know why I would if it was so scary, but I do remember like making conscious decisions to not look at that page because that was so scary. But I love it when like the things are stacking up behind them, you know, and like the drawers are opening and stuff. I think that's really cool. The the movie with that first ghost does a, a pretty funny juxtaposition because she she jumps at the camera and it's scary and there's like the screaming sound effect but the very next shot is them the grown-ass men scrambling down the stairway <laughs> of the exterior of the library and there's there's playing like this jazzy piano music so right off the bat it kind of balances the like the horror with the comedy and that, that like sets the tone for the whole rest of the movie yeah for sure and i think I'm sure I saw bits of it when I was a kid, but it was probably something that scared me too much. But we watched it recently, and it's so clever. Lauren, you've seen it, right? Ghostbusters? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've seen okay. it. Oh, there's actually a new one called Ghostbusters Afterlife. Supposed like a new, new one? Yeah, it's with Paul Rudd and... Oh, yeah, the kid from Stranger from Things. McKenna Grace, yeah, Finn Wolfhard. I mean, they were I remember the in it. I remember the trailer, but I didn't know it actually had come out. I thought it was like postponed because of the pandemic, because it kind of like it has well, not come out. Yeah, okay. I don't think it's come out. It says it's twenty twenty one. The guy that directs it is Jason Reitman. He did um, what I think Juno. Yeah, yeah. There's the I do have to call out in in the original Ghostbusters my favorite scene, which I've probably said to Mike multiple times, but it's when. Bill Murray is going into Sigourney Weaver's apartment because she had that like being in her refrigerator and so he's trying to like act all suave and cool and he walks in and he just like lightly plays two notes on the piano and he goes they hate this <laughs> and it's so good <laughs> oh, he's I awesome seen the movie forever <laughs> oh man <laughs> It's good. It's uh, it's a good choice. And I would I would definitely say it's a monster movie. Yeah. So good choice. Uh so my one of my little mini topics is Jeepers Creepers. Um the creature in that is flying around and eating people and taking parts of their bodies and incorporating it into his own. And um there's like a whole scene and and Justin Long's in the movie, and he calls it like I think he calls it something like a fucked up Sistine Chapel because there's like all these bodies like all over the ceiling. And I remember when I saw that movie, it really creeped me out. But then I like recently rewatched it, and I was like, I mean, I it's creepy, but it's like 
early 2000s creepy and i also have a higher tolerance for creepiness now so yeah that that is my monster i liked that movie um i don't know if i would recommend it i wouldn't say it's particularly great but it's interesting it's creepy yeah, now that you mention it, I actually never saw Jeepers Creepers, but I did see Jeepers Creepers 2. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. It was fine, it was fun. It was like a school bus. He was terrorizing a school bus full of high school students. Yeah, and I think the first one's better. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I think that it. probably makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but, Mike, have you ever seen Jeepers Creepers? I've never seen either one, and <laughs> I'm only aware of that as a phrase <laughs> i don't yeah. think even those were movies <laughs> yeah they've been around for a bit i think there's like three of them maybe two or three oh, of geez. them yeah yeah i feel like they're the jeepers creepers are the kind of movies that come out between like the end of september and halloween and they make a lot of money that month because of the month they came out but they could never release them any other time of year and make that much money because they're not that you know like no. They're not like Schindler's List or anything. They're spe very specifically made for a reason. Okay, so there's four Jeepers Creepers. Oh my gosh. Jeepers. There's the, yeah, there's the first one. There's the Jeepers Creepers 2, Jeepers Creepers 3, and then Jeepers Creepers Reborn. Oh. That one's supposed to come out this year, it looks like. Oh my gosh, of course. Right? Everything comes around and gets I made again. I want to see it. It's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, it's one of those, I mean, I feel like I, I like shitty horror movies because it's like one of those things where it's just fun and so bad to watch, you know? I mean, sometimes they're like too terrible and then I'll just turn them off, but because I've seen the first one, I'm kind of like, yeah, let's do it. Let's watch it, you know? I've seen right. almost all of the Hellraisers, so eventually it's I just, didn't know there was multiple Hellraisers. There's seven of them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> the, the guy that plays Pinhead does not, isn't in all of them. There's, like, different actors, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think I've seen four of them, so not in order. And I've seen them all, like, scattered, but, you know, I saw right. the first one, and I was like, What's this erotic horror? And then I <laughs> continued watching them. Did I, ever, did I ever tell you that story about how I was over at a friend's place for like a Halloween movie marathon? And they were like, let's watch, um, let's watch Hellraiser. And I was like, hell yeah, let's watch Hellraiser. And I was like, it's erotic horror. And Tim, our friend Tim, was like, he's like, Lauren, come on. It's not erotic horror. And he goes, if, if this isn't erotic horror, I'm going to make fun of you forever. And I was like, fine. And then we watched the movie and he goes, okay, so that was erotic horror. And I was like, I fucking told you, dude. Because <laughs> like, it's about this, um, this guy, Frank, and he finds the box. And I can't remember what the, the box is called, but it's like the box, if you open it, it's supposed to like give you all the pleasure and pain in the world or whatever. And so he opens it, but it like tears him apart. So he's like a skeleton and he comes back to life because someone bleeds on where his body is located. And I guess that like revitalizes him. And so he's been like banging his brother's wife and convinces his brother's wife who is just a giant piece of shit as well they're both they both are and convinces her to like seduce men and bring them upstairs into the attic and then murder them so that he can like become whole and yeah so 
I see. Yeah, and then there's like a there's a couple sex scenes with Frank, and and then he like, then he like takes over the body of his brother, and he's like hitting on his niece, and it was like as his brother, so like her father. Oh, but it's like her uncle and her father's body. Yeah, it was really. It's creepy. <laughs> Mike, have you seen Hellraiser? I have not, but unlike Jeepers Creepers, I am aware of Hellraiser and can picture like the uh, the artwork. Yeah, I think huh. I remember that from when I was young. Like the the box with you know, it's like an iconic image of the the oh, spikes yeah. in the the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I'd recommend it. I love that movie. Huh. I mean, I don't love it. I do like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> Okay. I wouldn't say I love it. <laughs> okay. It's a big difference. <laughs> big big difference. difference. Big. <laughs> Huge. Okay. So I did my third one is one is a monster movie that I do not like, and it was uh the twenty fourteen Godzilla. Mm. Oh, is that with um, Crash movie. Elizabeth Olsen? Yep. Elizabeth oh, I Olsen. That one. Why didn't you like it? Probably because you liked it. That's how it generally <laughs> goes. <laughs> I have to say, I never expected that response, and that was perfect. <laughs> I I found it to be, like, boring and sloggy, and I thought the beginning, I actually think the beginning is okay when with the nuclear meltdown and everything, and, like, Brian Cranston is in it, and then Brian Cranston dies, or I don't even remember what happened to him. He dies, I think, right? Yeah, he, he dies, he yeah. to save the mom or something. Anyway. And then the movie just turns to garbage. I just found it really boring, I think, was my main, my main complaint. I didn't really care about Aaron Taylor Johnson's character. I, you know, I, I thought it was kind of like mindless destruction. The, the monsters eating nuclear warheads really annoyed me. Like, they were snacks for, like, because the, if I remember correctly, there was another monster and Godzilla was actually coming to kill that monster. So he was actually doing service for the humans. Not that he knew that. Like he wasn't. Yeah, making, it was a like Mothra, predator thing. Right? Yeah, like a predator prey situation. And it just happened to work in the humans favor. But they showed a picture or they showed a scene where one of the other monsters was like. It was like he was eating like red vines, but it was a nuclear something like a warhead or something and and i thought okay this is too far like he's eating it like it's like a milk bone or something you know and i just I oh that's pretty stupid that's pretty bad um i liked it i don't remember any of that so <laughs> i don't know you know what i mean maybe my mind would change if i saw it again but i remember thinking it was fun i remember in the trailer thinking the shot of the people coming down through like the really dark clouds with like red looked like a cool shot but in the movie it just seemed like another pointless thing to happen just almost like they made it just to look cool for the trailer or something i don't or the mm. poster i think it was also on the poster but mike you've seen parts of that movie haven't you or the whole thing maybe i'm pretty sure i've seen the whole thing i probably saw it in theaters and i know i didn't care for it i was disappointed with it i think it was it almost became a joke like how Brian Cranston was in it, but then the audience kind of got cheated. Like, yeah, he's in it for 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. At the end of Cranston. And he was like, he was a big get at that time. I would say probably the most famous member of the cast at that time, maybe. Or one of Pinoche is in it. Who? 
Juliet Binoche is in it. Oh yeah, she's the she's the wife. Yeah. He was one of the big draws though, for sure. So yeah. Like yeah, because I remember being excited about that and then being like, What? He's dead? Okay, fine. Or whatever. I that was like okay. post breaking bad, right? Yes, yeah. So, so yeah, that's why I think he was like the a big star at the time. And I don't remember much about the movie, which means I don't know. None of it, it didn't stick with me, and I don't know. I just didn't care. Yeah. Well. Oh well. You know. <laughs> Can't win them all. I don't know. What to tell you, it's it's <laughs> nothing. It's nothing new. It's not surprising that you and I don't agree on a film. <laughs> it still shocks me sometimes when I go like, "Oh, this movie was garbage. It should be burned. I hate it." And you're like, "I loved it." So, you know, <laughs> Mike, what's your next one? My number two, I want to preface by saying that this is really a personal list um, because I kind of struggled uh, with what to put on here. And I was struggling with, is it really my personal favorite or am I trying to pick like the right thing? You know, like what's really, what's the best monster movie? So I want to give an honorable mention to that, which is Alien, the first oh, Alien, yes. uh, 1979, which I think is, is awesome. The atmosphere is cool. It's gritty. It's actually feels sci-fi, like not fantasy. It feels like science fiction. Um, but that's that came before my time. And I didn't see that until like well into adulthood. Um, so it didn't have as big an impact on me as Predator did. So Predator <laughs> is my um, I've been talking a lot about Predator lately. <laughs> I know. Which oh, you've been listening. Yeah, so you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Inappropriately, I saw Predator when I was a kid, and I loved it. And it's this, it's nonsense, man. It is a raucous romp through the jungle with Arnold Schwarzenegger doing what he did best. And it's super violent. There's kind of a misfit cast of main characters, and you get to see them slaughtered one by one. And Jesse Ventura is uh, in it. Jesse Ventura is in it. Carl yeah. Weathers is in it. Carl um, Weathers. Whenever I think of Carl Weathers, I always think of him in Arrested Development. He's like, you got a hand bone there? You put that in some water and baby, you got a stew going. <laughs> oh my God. Mike, that thinking in that series, I think. <laughs> I didn't even know who Carl Weathers was when I first started watching Development. Like I literally thought he was like some B actor. And then I saw Rocky and I was like, what? Carl Weathers is like legit as hell. <laughs> Big time. Yeah, yeah. And Predator gave us like one of the most popular memes of all time with like the two muscular arms clasping and it's <laughs> Carl Weathers and Schwarzenegger and then each side gets labeled with one thing or another like uniting. And it's just a super gratuitous shot where they're both flexing their biceps and it's, it's ridiculous and I love it. And the Predator is cool. Um, I thought his sound effects are awesome. The way that he growled, I always thought was super cool and creepy when I was a kid. Oh and my gosh. I have to, Mike, I have to tell this story of, so Mike and I were watching TV recently and we were, we were just sitting in his basement watching TV and all of a sudden just this like critter noise started happening. And Mike lives by the woods, like his house is like surrounded by trees. And so I was like, oh my gosh, is there... And he said, do you hear that? And it was, I thought there was a critter in the house. I was like, there's a raccoon or something in your house. And it was for like 
15 seconds. I was really scared. And what he was doing was playing the Predator sound effect on his phone to trick me. It's such a dick move. <laughs> Lauren, here's what you do. When she goes to the bathroom, you cue up the video on YouTube on your phone. And then you just have the phone like in your lap on the side. And then you wait till she comes back on and settles in and you play it. And then you look around for the noise and it's, yeah. it's, it's a hoot. He was looking around for it like he was as perplexed as I was. And I thought, because he has this door like off of his living room, this door that st stays closed most of the time. And I thought there might be like a, like a pest has gotten in and they might, be, it might be in that room. And it was, like I said, 15 seconds of terror and, and then, oh. you know. But oh anyway. man, that, that's funny. <laughs> and terrible at the same time. Predator has really cool sound design, and the movie ends with the Predator squaring off with Schwarzenegger, and he comes to like respect Schwarzenegger, and he strips off his weaponry and his helmet that allows him to see better, and engages just in hand-to-hand -hand combat because that's uh, it wants a challenge. It doesn't want to necessarily slaughter its prey. It wants the thrill of a, a strong hunt and i don't know like i said it's it's a bonkers popcorn movie but it's a, a really fun monster movie so it's the opposite of alien versus predator when they were like <laughs> bow, chicka, bow, bow. yes he strips off his weapons because he's got like a shoulder mounted like laser cannon and he takes that off and he takes his helmet off because it's a big moment to reveal the predator's like grotesque face yeah yeah and Arnold just didn't have the same response that the woman did in the movie you watched, I guess. <laughs> Quite the opposite. Like, oh. yeah. <laughs> Arnold says, you're one ugly motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she was like, if your lips cover your teeth a little bit more, maybe we could, uh, you know. <laughs> I like Predator as well. Uh, that's a good choice. I recently watched that movie for the first time ever, so um, I can say that I've finally seen it. I don't actually remember that part because I either fell asleep or didn't care about it enough. So, damn. So did I, you finally? I would see say it? I probably watched like I would say I probably watched maybe like altogether like twenty minutes of it. <laughs> like, you didn't watch it Predator. It wasn't really my thing. Yeah, was, yeah. Why did I watch it? Because I just do things. And, no, you didn't oh. watch Predator. I'm saying. You can't oh say no. It. No, you're right. I really didn't. It was, it was definitely more of a casual observer. You know, yeah. I was like, you oh. saw some predator. <laughs> yeah. Well, what happened was there was like that first shooting scene. And like, for some reason I was super, I like became super overwhelmed. So I had to turn it off. And, um, and then I kind of picked it up back later and I was like, not that into it. So I don't know. I just, I, there's this scene, there's this scene in the show spaced where Tim, played by Simon Pegg, offers Daisy like a toke on just like a joint. And yeah. Daisy's like, uh, no, I don't think so. It might make me paranoid. But then she takes one and then she sees like a, like a stuffed, like a taxidermied eagle. And she has like this like mega paranoia trip from the eagle. <laughs> That's what I thought of when you said you got overwhelmed by the shooting scene. I mean... I was communing with Mother Nature, so, you know, things happen. It's one of those things, you know. <laughs> What's your next one? Oh, my next one. My next Number one is two. The Babadook. Oh. And I hated this movie. Oh. First of all, there is a screaming child in it through, like, half the film, and it's fucking awful. And I watched the whole thing, 
and oh my god there's like this one scene where the kid just like loses his shit in the backseat of a car and it's so piercing and awful and annoying and I'm like oh my god I I am very picky about my movies with children mostly because I I don't like I'm not like a kid's person so I'm like I have to like the kids in the movie and I did not like this child but the one thing I will say that I did like about it is that the Babadook wasn't so much a monster as it was the manifestation of the woman's grief. So I thought that that was an interesting aspect, but because there was so much of the screaming child that you didn't really get that, that it was like a metaphor. And, and so it, I wouldn't like, I didn't really enjoy the film. You know what I mean? And I wish that there had been more of that, but it's like, you focus so much on a at like a kid screaming like why would I care about this movie I don't care about these kids just shut the kid up you know like geez you know so um I don't think I would recommend that one a lot of people were like it was so good and I was like um I saw it and no <laughs> you know so um it, it's I think it's an interesting concept but I think that they did a really poor job of doing it Mike, did you did you see that movie, Mike? I thought you talked about it before. Yeah, I, if you ask me, have you ever seen Babadook? I would say yes, without question, because I'm almost positive it was streaming on Netflix, and I turned it on and watched it and enjoyed it. But that's all I remember. Um, I remember liking it while it was on, but I don't remember anything Lauren is saying. And this would have been, I don't know, two or three years ago, maybe. So, yeah, I'm I'm like kind you- of. Definitely would have remembered the screaming child. He was really annoying. Like that does not sound good. That's not bad. Yeah, it was. uh, Yeah, is it a foreign film? I think it's Australian. Oh, so it's it's in English. Yeah. Yeah. So what, Sam? What's yours? Um, my next movie is Tremors. Oh, um, which I have a unique memory with Tremors uh, because when I was very small probably when it was relatively new and I don't even know how old I was my brother Justin like Tom Sawyered me into watching it with him one one time when I think my parents Wait, so he gone. tricked you into it is it yeah. okay <laughs> and I think my parents were gone for the evening and I remember he was like trying to convince me to watch this movie and and he like prefaced it by saying like there are these like worm monster things but it's not that scary it's not it's not scary and it's a nor- it's a movie that myself at that time would not have liked, but I think since he did such a good job, like he was like a charlatan about it. We had such a good like I remember watching it with him and we had a ball. Like he would right. laugh really hard. And I think he might have been doing this for my benefit. He would laugh super hard when the monsters would come out or when things would happen. And I think that he was probably doing that so I wouldn't get scared. I have a very specific memory and I didn't know it at the time but as i'm older when i look back on it i think that he was doing that so i wouldn't like get scared and want him to turn it off or something he'd be like oh my right. god so you know fast forward years and years decades later uh mike and i watched it recently together and that's the first time i'd seen it since i was a kid and it's just a it's bonker it's bombastic but it's just like a fun ridiculous weird kind of low budget movie with kevin bacon and have you ever seen it I've never seen that. I'm looking at the IMDb page right now. Um, no, I've never, I've never seen this. It looks like there's a ton of thriller of of sequels, though. Yeah, like the, five the act, of them. The 
main Orville. actor who isn't Kevin Bacon, when <laughs> I think he's the one who went on to star in all those sequels. Um, he's the one thread, yeah. Yeah. But man, I loved, I loved Tremors when I was a kid. And in particular, I was fascinated with the, the one couple who had an arsenal in their basement. And I just thought That's it was awesome. like their collection of firearms and how they just went through them all against the, the monsters was super cool. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. You should, you should probably give it a shot, Lauren. I might. Oh, hey, the girl from um, Jurassic Park is in it. Um, Lex. Does she play a little girl? Oh, she's, and she's even younger in that. Mandy, Mindy Sterngood. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Yeah, because, yeah, because that first one came out in 1990. Okay. And then um, Jurassic Park was 93. So yeah, Mike, I remember a little girl, but I, we probably when we were watching it, we realized it was her, but I didn't remember that she was in it. Nor did I. That's cool. That is cool. Because we were talking about her and like what else she's been in and I was like I've never seen anything else that she's been in so anyway okay Mike what's your first what's your last one I also want to say that um if not for our featured film Cloverfield spoiler alert Cloverfield would be in my top three same same here it, oh. it would have it would have displaced Predator and moved into slot number two and Ghostbusters would have fallen off, off the top three. But it would oh. not have displaced my number one pick, Jurassic Park. Yes. Yes. Oh. Great movie. Great. Perfect monster movie. Oh, I love, I love Jurassic Park so much. So much. Yeah. It's got almost everything going right for it. It's the mega budget block, a uh, huge budget blockbuster, Steven Spielberg, Johnny Williams. Um, and <laughs> of course, monsters. And kind of like I said for Ghostbusters, you get a fun variety of monsters. And uh, some of them, like the Triceratops, are benign, but others are definitely not. So you get the, the crafty gang of Velociraptors, um, the small but poisonous Dilophosaurus that kills Dennis in the Jeep. And of course, the star of the film, the Tyrannosaurus Rex, is just an awesome sight to behold. Um, it's got one of the most epic shots for a monster movie or an action adventure at the end of the movie when the T-Rexes defeated the, the Velociraptors, the human characters have escaped, and the Tyrannosaurus roars triumphantly as the banner falls from the ceiling and says, when dinosaurs rule the earth. And it's so fucking cool. I love Jurassic yeah. It is. Um, I think you may have forgotten the uh, forgot forgotten forgotten though. What makes those triceratops such a monster is how much poop it produces. So, yeah, that that may be the biggest monster in the whole movie. <laughs> well, we talked about that. We were like, I don't think that a try or a, a like a creature like could make the poop that big. That's like half its body. <laughs> it's know? like that episode of South Park where it's like, boop. <laughs> so boop. Oh yeah, I've actually seen that one. <laughs> Surprisingly, yeah. Uh, feet was higher than the Triceratops could have. Like it would need to climb up to a pooping <laughs> yes, platform. Yes, <laughs> that is my, that's my issue. Like, a pooping platform. I love it. How uh, else? It's got a squatty potty. <laughs> That dinosaur squatty potty either that or they're pooping and then shoveling it into a central location but yeah, yeah I, I didn't get that no yeah that was so weird yeah 
It's just so they could have Jeff Goldblum seductively walk towards a pile of poop. Yeah, that's why they did it. Yeah. It's, it was all for aesthetics. <laughs> all right. Do you want me to go? Or no, no, it's you. What's up? What's, no, it's you. It's your it's Lauren. It's, it's Lauren. me. It's me. All right. It's you. Um, the Wolfman. It's with uh, Benicio del Toro. Oh, I was and- thinking of Michael J. Fox. <laughs> No, no. Um, it's with Benicio del Toro and um, Anthony Hopkins and Emily Blunt. And it was for such a stellar cast. It was not great. Huh. Emily Blunt, however, and I think that was the first movie. I'd, maybe maybe the second one. I think the first one was Jane Austen Book Club. Like the, like, I don't know, the first movie or whatever that I'd seen her in. And she was so fucking fantastic. She like made the film like if you're a huge emily blunt fan i would recommend that movie just for her performance because she's fantastic but benicio del toro and anthony hopkins left something to be desired like seriously and i was like i'm a big i am a pretty big fan of anthony hopkins and i like benicio del toro and i was just like what the fuck is this you guys are are oscar winners you have no excuse to not be like putting on your full performance as you could and and I wanted so badly for this movie to be good. And I've, I've only seen it one time. This was like when it first came out because I saw it in theaters. But it, it was very disappointing. It, it left. It was very like it fell flat. But she was so good. And ugh, she was awesome. And I would, I would say if you're going to watch that movie, you watch it for her. And that's the only reason you watch it because she's a phenomenal actress i'm sure i've heard of this movie but i have no memory of it ever well because it was totally like it wasn't remarkable at all it was very forgettable and and the reviews weren't very good i don't think it got it did very well because it just wasn't that good of a film it was like it was so disappointing too for what it was because it was it was kind of cool that they were like re you know vamping the the wolfman whatever and um and it was more like how it was done what that movie came out like the what the 30s or something you know the old one um it was more like how the wolfman looked in the 30s so it was kind of like a throwback to that so you're like oh this is cool but then it was just it was just not good it was garbaggio as i call it Hmm. garbaggio interesting what is your last one? Mine first one is my favorite. I love Jurassic Park, but this is my favorite monster movie. And I thought of it this morning and I was so excited about it that I watched it while I was eating breakfast and it's Super 8. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good one. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Um, I wish I could go back in time and see it for the first time in the theater yes. again. That's how much I love it. It's so difficult to have a movie driven by children be as good as it is and it's much like cloverfield it's very natural the the interactions between the kids is so natural it's it's like plucked from just real life and i think that that's a testament and i blame super eight for why i watched the kissing booth the first time because (laughs) i was just i was so curious as to how joel courtney aged because the last time i'd seen him he was a child who did a really good job in a movie that i love and obviously things don't always 
work out, but <laughs> he did really good. Sometimes in Super they're 8, even but... devastating. And then you yeah. watch the second one and you're even more devastated how terrible um, it is. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I just, I, I think it's, it's such a great movie. And I love that train scene. I love, I love when they're all scrambling because the train is coming. And then there's this beautiful shot of, of them standing and doing the scene and the train is whizzing by and the air is just like blowing in their, their hair. I back love that and scene stuff. too. And That's a great scene. It's so great. And then the way the mystery builds, uh, it's just, and it's I a very it. like emotionally driven film too. And yeah, I really there's a like lot of subtext, well. Yeah, a lot of yeah. subtext, uh, the coming of age and, there's nothing the movie is about an alien obviously but there's nothing in it that makes me go like uh that's not believable i know a lot of people like poo poo the train crash scene but it doesn't bother me at all i think it's awesome me neither. No, and like so it. there's there's really i don't feel like there's anything in it that i have to like explain away if i was showing somebody like if aliens came to earth and i had to choose movies to show i mean maybe they wouldn't be interested in a movie about a enslaved alien but if they came to earth and i was showing them this movie much like ever after i i would feel no there's nothing in the movie that i would have to like give a caveat for you know right yeah well and i like too that it's it's an unusual monster movie in that the monster is the victim you know Uh uh-huh yeah Yeah, that's an interesting point as well yeah yeah because it's like like we may see it as a monster because it's kidnapping people but it's like just trying to survive is really what it is it's not it's not doing it out of malice it's doing it because it's like i gotta eat i like and you know what people are big so i'm gonna eat people you know and it's and it makes sense that so it's uh i yeah i think that's a fantastic film that is a good choice and I, I actually film. own super eight but i haven't watched it in Same. a while making me want to rewatch. um because it's, it seems like it's been too long, but I do remember the chemistry of the kids is so strong and so much can go wrong when you cast children, a group of children, uh, yeah. just on the fact that their children is rolling the dice. And, but it's another thing when they have to have chemistry with one another and to pull that off is really something special in it. And it really worked. And I like their wonder. I like how cavalier they are like the idea of because they're making a movie right they're turning yeah, they're shooting their own yeah. movie and that's and they want a scene with the train riding it that would freak me out today to do that like to <laughs> get up next to train tracks in the night um because the thing is so loud and powerful just kind of freaky you know and but they'll do it because they believe in their art and that's such a youthful energetic vibe that i think is cool there's this amazing part in the movie that is right after that. So after the train accident happens, um, Elle Fanning's character, Alice, they're like rushing to get back to the car so they can escape the scene before like the army arrives. And Alice goes right to the car and she's starting to get in and she realizes that all the boys have scattered and they're getting all their stuff because like they're kids and they don't have money to like replace the stuff. So they have to rescue it. They have to salvage it. And she's like, what are you doing? Get in the car. And I love that because it's so perfect like yeah you're 13 years old you're not you don't have a paycheck you can't buy a new camera or a new right, film or, right you know and yeah so stuff like that is is just so well done and so spot on well to, to your point mike i think that part i think that children 
well, not children necessarily, but like when you're younger, you kind of have this feeling like I can't die. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm yep. immortal. Like I'm immortal. Immortality doesn't affect me. And then as you get older, you're like, oh shit. So dying's like a real legit thing. Um, and that could happen at any moment to anyone. Um, and I think that that is, is so like, that's realistic to how old they are that they're like, well, it, the train can't hurt us. Nothing's going to happen, you know? And then of course the train goes off the tracks and that's a whole other, you know, bucket of worms, yeah. but yeah. When I was their age, I was, I was indestructible. Like yeah. I could, I could totally. go sledding and wipe out, roll down half, half the hill and get up and jog back up the hill. Yep. And now yep. I won't, when I, when I'm done taking a shower, I won't bend over the tub anymore to get my towel off the, the, the uh, counter. I'll step one of my wet feet out onto the floor for extra width and stability because I'm afraid of falling and breaking my fucking hip. Yeah, so, no, I, I have these two bars and I, and they're like just towel bars, but I always hold on to them when I'm getting out of the shower because I'm like, careful, careful, you know. <laughs> I saw a meme once that was like, 13 year old me falls out of a tree from 30 feet up, gets up and runs and climbs the tree again. 30 year old me turns my head wrong and my neck hurts for a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so true. That's so true. Anyway. Are you ready to talk about the movie? I'm ready to talk about the movie. You have to tell us what did you think of Cloverfield? Well, the first thing I have to say is I'm very glad that I did not watch this in movie theaters because I would have puked. <laughs> um, I puked at the Hunger Games and I puked at Twilight and I almost puked at Man of Steel. So I have a habit of puking in theaters for some reason. Well, Man um, of Steel was just so terrible that who can blame you? <laughs> well, and we were sitting, remember we were sitting so close and I was like, yeah, I feel queasy. And I was like, let's move. Um, and you were like, oh yeah, I'm totally fine with that. So um in Twilight, I was sitting in the first row. So I think it was probably a mixture of seeing up Robert Pattinson's nostrils and like just being in the front row that made me go. Um, and Hunger Games was just weirdly shaky. Hunger Games was so shaky. Yeah. I saw, shaky, yeah. I saw Hunger Games in the IMAX and I remember I had to close my eyes for some of it. So yeah. So this movie, even even watching it on the small screen, there were certain points where I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, this is. There was like um, a scene where there was like flashing lights and I'm super sensitive to flashing lights. Um, like I, again, I get very like motion sickness. So it's like, it sucks, but it was okay. Um, I wouldn't say that I loved it. I oh, didn't, really? didn't dislike it, but I wouldn't, I don't think I'd ever watch it again. Oh, yeah. Man. I was just kind of like indifferent about it. I didn't. I wouldn't say that I particularly, I thought it was a clever movie. Um, and I even like looked up some stuff because there are some things that I was like, wait, why did this happen? So I, I, you know, wrote some stuff down. But, and I think part of the reason too, I think 2008 me, which is when the movie came out. would 2008 me. Yum, yum. Me. <laughs> Do you get what 2008 I'm Lolo would have liked this movie. 21 years old Lolo would have liked this movie. Because um, I did like the found uh, footage, but I think now seeing like, and I was trying to like separate myself from like, I was trying to separate the me who has seen way too many uh, found footage movies. And I'm just kind of sick of the trope, you know, versus like the person who 
like maybe has never seen it before or whatever but it to me I think I was just I'm just kind of tired of that and so I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much as if I had seen it when it had come out but again super glad I didn't see that in theaters because I don't think I would have I don't think I would have finished it I think I legitimately think I would have puked so yeah what did you guys think interesting Mike what do you think of the movie I really, really like Cloverfield. I think it's pretty awesome. Uh, I saw it in theaters and I own it and I've probably watched it half a dozen times. Um, I'm glad I don't have that problem with the, the motion, even in the theaters. I, I think it was for Cloverfield that that was kind of a big deal. Like, weren't there warning signs in theaters about, like, for people with who are sensitive to things like that? Because yeah. it, so shaky and yeah especially on a big screen but I don't remember ever having a problem with that and what I was actually thinking about it last night um or a couple nights ago when I watched this and I almost totally disregard it because of the found footage aspect like I know what you're talking about with Hunger Games and it would that bothers me more because I don't know what the excuse is for it like I understand it can help to like generate like a feeling of confusion or chaos. Um, and if it's done right, it can probably add to the, to the feature. But um, with Cloverfield, there's a lot of shakiness, but I, I kind of dismiss all of it because it's like, that's what it would look like, you know? And Right. No, I mean, that makes total sense. Um, yeah. But no, and the movie doesn't, the charm of the movie, a big part of it is that it's found footage and it's like chopped up, it's spliced because sometimes the recording stops and then it picks back up later. And um, anyway, uh, I'm just glad, yeah, that, that didn't bother you. But apart from that, I, like I said, I really like the movie. Um, it's kind of like, you know, Lauren mentioned the found footage kind of craze thing and maybe I just haven't watched enough of them to have gotten sick of it. But I feel like this is sort of like, Blair Blair Witch Project, I think, blew the lid off of that as a, a genre. And I like Blair Witch as well, the first one. And that was in 1999. And this is kind of Blair Witch-ish, but like on steroids or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big and time. the other thing that I've <laughs> seen, like I think of Paranormal Activity is a little similar. I think that came out a year before Cloverfield or something like that. Cloverfield is 2008. Um, and I, I, like paranormal say, I want to say paranormal activity is like 2011. Oh, really? Go on. Okay. Yeah. It might Go be. ahead. I'm going to look it up. Oh, I think you're right. I think you're right. So I looked it up um, earlier and I was, I had the oh, time. Oh, 2007. Maybe the sequel, one of the sequels. Yeah. The, the second one is 2010 and then it looks like 2012, 2011, or no, sorry, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2015. Okay. Oh, they're making an eighth one. Of so course. Of course they are. Lucky I've seen all right. of them, so. <laughs> well, I, anyway, I didn't, oh, no, I've I never like oversaturated myself with the, those. Like, that's about all I've really seen. Um, there's something on Netflix or something about social media and these kids. I forget what it's called. Unfriended or something like that. Yeah. It's oh, we all of, watch that. Yeah. 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 Because At I Mike's heard... Mike yeah. watched it first and told me to watch it, and then I recommended it to you. And, and yet... then I watched it. Yeah, I was I was pretty impressed by that. That was definitely like a unique. Like it, it was, it was a lot 
like more interesting than I thought it was going to be. And it was pretty unique too in the way it was done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that. I totally enjoyed that while I was watching it. And I haven't really thought like reflected back on it much since then, but it, I do know, I thought it was really clever. Like it was mm-hmm. sort of like, look how you can make a movie now in the internet era when everybody is just hooked up. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I haven't seen so many of these where this felt like an old concept to me. And I love, like just the way that it looks like the the relationships feel organic to me the 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 way the monster was revealed very slowly was awesome like the confusion and yeah I really like it Samantha what do you think I also really like this movie I would go so far as to say I love this movie I saw it multiple times in theaters um I have a very specific memory uh when I was in it came out when I was in college and I would go to the school I went to had like a tiny campus in Holland, Michigan, which is like an hour away. And I took a couple classes at that campus and I had a very large gap between classes at the main campus and classes at the Holland campus. So I drove out early just so I could watch Cloverfield again in theaters because there was a <laughs> tiny little theater, a tiny theater right by the campus. And it was me and an older guy who was, I mean, I was, 2008 I was like 23 24 and he was probably in his 40s but at the time that seemed like a bigger gap you know and he was sitting a few rows behind me and when the movie ended and I stood up he said he called to me and he was like well that was a waste of my time and I was like who is this guy and I said this is like the fifth time I've seen it (laughs) and he said really and so I always have that memory because I I love it. I love that movie so much. And I also do have issues um, with motion sickness in some movies. And Cloverfield always gets me, um, every time I watch it, the scenes where the brother and his girlfriend are like in the store and then walking up the stairs right before the party. Yeah. The I I remember thinking like... Lily and I, Jason? Lily and Jason, yeah. And the camera is so jolty and jarry and just that part i remember when i first saw it that i thought is this a harbinger for what the rest of the movie is going to be like but i think that straightens out really nicely i think it um it there's enough like establishing shots and like talking head shots and things to like counteract some of that motion but uh yeah that that little isolated part always sort of gets me because it's so shaky and um, I think, Mike, you made a really good point because I, I'm, I like the found footage aspect of it and I like how it's kind of shaky for other parts because I expect it in a found footage, but I totally agree with you that there's no excuse to put it in any other movie where you have like professional equipment unless you're just using it for like specific scenes because Mike and I went and saw the movie First Man And I felt sick to my stomach for like probably 30 minutes after it ended. It was so shaky. And I was, I had to, I didn't know that Mike didn't care for the movie as we were watching it. Otherwise I would have said, let's leave. But I thought maybe he was enjoying it, but I had to sit there with my eyes closed for big portions of that movie. There's no, just like Mike said, it's an excellent point. There's really no excuse for that type of filmmaking. It's, I don't know. I don't even know the purpose behind it for long extended scenes. If it's not found footage, like, is it a money saving technique? Why? Cause like even the Bourne movies have 
that shaky camera and it starts to be kind of like too much and sometimes like in the transformers movies during the action scenes the camera does that and i think mike you also made a good point saying that it can like like articulate confusion which i think is right but when it's extended like that i i agree there's really no excuse for it in a in a movie where the budget or where in the movie where the plot line doesn't revolve around uh, a handheld camcorder yeah just, well yeah like i mean i think hunger games had no excuse as to why it was mm-hmm. filmed that way yeah i don't think it's a cost-saving measure i think it's a, a technique they do on purpose to try to convey a sense of violence or chaos like uh, you probably see it a lot in, in war movies like if there's an explosion nearby they might do something like that to convey the like a shock wave or something or if yeah i mean that makes sense that makes sense yeah um however i just read something strangely relevant to this today and it was about like how birds eyes work compared to humans eyes and birds um birds kind of crane their whole head because they don't have the the focal abilities that that humans do they have really good vision some of them but they can't lock their eyeballs on something while their head moves around like you know how you can focus on an object and twist your head around and stay focused on that object so my point is when you put that in a movie it doesn't really make sense because no one's vision really works that way like that's a great point if i'm on a bumpy jeep on a dirt road i can look at the horizon and the horizon will be totally steady in my vision so it's kind of phony to insert that into a movie However, if you're making a found footage video with a camcorder, the camcorder doesn't have, it's not quite as good as the human eye. So it, when the camcorder bounces, so does the whole field of vision. So again, uh, it makes sense. And yeah, to, to go overboard with it is super gratuitous in movies that aren't found footage because it's not, it's trying to do something, but it's not really genuine with how we see. That's an excellent point. That's perfect. That's, I couldn't, I, that's really good. I, that's a great point. Yeah, because it isn't. It isn't accurate to what any character would be seeing in yeah, all those I, movies. See, I think I would have liked Cloverfield more if it wasn't found footage. I mean, I I think I I had a real issue just with how shaky it was. You know, it's and again, as someone who gets motion sickness, something like that, it's not enjoyable. It's not fun to feel nauseous while you're like. I mean, I wasn't feeling nauseous, but. You you get what I mean. It's still like yeah. I'm still like all right, okay. Yeah, <laughs> like enough of the shaky camera. Something here. that like, I something yeah. that I really like about the movie, and I think the found footage aspect really benefits. I think it really benefits from the found footage aspect is that they're able to get in past exposition without bogging down the movie by having it start weeks earlier with just like uh, Rob and Elizabeth, Rob and Beth are having had had sex and now they are having the talk uh you know like they're having a beautiful day it's like you see like snippets of their awesome day as the movie mm-hmm. goes on and i like how it's interspersed with like hud doesn't know how the camera works or jason like is like oh i didn't mean to tape over this tape and then you see their history without the movie just being like totally like without having like here's the obligatory first scene and then we have to do everything in this scene because the rest of it is going to take place on this one other particular night because the timeline is so focused that I really like 
And I don't think it would have been as good if it if it had just been like either cut scenes without the the like the meaning of the cut scenes is that the camera is like malfunctioning or just like stopping and starting instead of like here's the cut scene of them at Coney Island. Here's the cut scene. You know what I mean? Does that right? Make sense? Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think that that's clever. I do have to say though. So I actually want to start talking about like the first scene of the movie, if you guys don't mind. Um, I have to say that I, and I wrote this down, but the trope of like the someone like waking up in the morning with like the camera in their face, I fucking hate that trope. I think it's like, they're like, oh my God, you're so beautiful in the morning when you wake up. I'm like, shut up. Okay. No one's beautiful in the morning when you wake up in the morning. I wake up and I look like Mr. Heat Miser. Okay. So like, let's calm down here, everyone. And, um, and I was thinking about, you know, like that trope of like the, um, the disappeared wife footage you know what I mean you know what yeah. I'm talking about where they're like <laughs> don't put the camera in my face you're so bad and then they're she's like always hey. camera shot yeah she's <laughs> always camera shot <laughs> like it's like the they're like giggling and stuff like that and like it kind of just reminded me of that but also I thought it was weird that they were like in her dad's apartment for some reason I was just I didn't think that that was a necessary part of it and also, he looked like Mitt Romney. I don't know if you noticed that when you were looking at the photos, but I was like, Beth's dad straight up looks like Mitt Romney. <laughs> I think, I think that, I feel like the detail of like in her dad's apartment is a way to, so the audience, it, like people aren't hung up on like, these kids are like 20 years old. How can they afford this apartment? I assume she had her own bedroom. Like, I don't think they were in her dad's bed or anything. Right. I think it was just like they're too young to have an apartment on like what like a 36th floor facing like oh Central okay Park, so she know? was living with her dad yeah i think that oh okay 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 i think okay. i don't think it's like anything like gross like you want to come over and have sex in my parents bed like well, it was i, I think thought... she had her own room and it was okay. just she wasn't paying the bills because the audience would be like oh yeah i'm supposed to get on board with these kids who are able to afford this apartment you know so, like, I didn't even put two and two together that, like, she still lives with her dad. I, like, straight up thought that she was like, my dad's out of town. Let's go party at his awesome place. And I was like, cool. Like, because whatever. I mean, I've done that as a 34-year-old. My parents are gone and I'm like, party. <laughs> I mean, I've only done it once and they were aware of it. But, you know, it's not. That's actually never... what I thought happened, too. I thought that they were just, like, they were out of town and they're, like, the apartment's awesome. So let's hang out there. Yeah, I really. Did, I, I did. I never put two and two together that they lived together because I assumed that she lived in her own place. Yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> guess I've never. That's interesting because I've never watched it that way. I always just assume she has a bedroom in her dad's apartment. Because I thought it was weird that um, it said like in the opening scene, like the word, the text at the bottom said Beth's dad's apartment. So I in my mind oh she doesn't live there because it's his apartment you know it's not like beth's house that she shares with her dad or you know what i mean or something like that or whatever but um yeah no i i just assumed that they were going over there because it was like a swanky ass place and they wanted to chill i guess it could, i could see it being interpreted both ways honestly right. yeah interesting i do want to i do want to add about regarding the flashbacks i i think i agree with lauren about that the scene in the bed is <laughs> kind of stupid but in general though i think it's so damn clever that they because if if you said to me mike we're making a found footage video or movie 
but we want to incorporate flashbacks. How, do, how should we do it? I don't think there's any way I would have thought, okay, the flashback will be the underlying footage on the tape, and then it's gonna get taped over, but periodically there'll be gaps in the new footage that will reveal the old footage, and there's your flashback. And it, mm -hmm. that's so cool. It's, I think it's super creative, and um, it helps you learn more about the characters. Like, I don't, I don't like flashbacks. Uh, really especially if there's a lot of them like I don't like it when books have like like every other chapter is a different timeline for a single character like that I don't care for that but again I think similar to the motion I'm more I'm a lot more dismissive of it or accepting of it I should say that because it was so clever like I you can like it's a little bit unrealistic how there's these gaps so perfectly place because of how HUD was operating the camera but I can overlook that I can just well, sort of dive in and accept it as this is what's on a tape and also that's not like how tapes work it's not like they're like oh you pause this great we're just gonna fast forward by like 20 seconds and then we'll um we'll just start up again exactly we'll the original footage I'm like mm, nope. I think I think I I mean I agree with you and I think I forgive it for those weird little like how did it fast forward but to Mike's to piggyback on what Mike was saying as I agree that it's very clever because the snippets that you get of the flashbacks after the first one that's obviously bigger but it are so small that they don't take away from the momentum of the rest of the movie mm -hmm. and that works because you get a clear picture of these two characters and a clear enough picture where you want to root for them and but also you're still like engaged in the main storyline of this monster attack so it's done whether or not you root for them which we can get to uh i see lauren shaking her head i'm just saying <laughs> in terms of story writing <laughs> in terms like, of mm -mm. like telling a story you have to find a way to make us want the lovers to be together not you lauren but other viewers like me when i watch it you know so I think that is a very clever way for us to know them better than we would just get to know them at this one party that we see them or running around the city. Right. But, you know, maybe that scene, I, I don't well, like how I, women are. I go on. I do have something to say about them though. So go on. That, what were you saying? I just wanted to talk about the bed scene since we're all, we're all in it. Um, I do hate how women are always like camera shy, like stop. And it's always, you know, like you said, like yeah. women who have no need to be camera shy. But I did really like that scene when he was like tossing food at her and she was trying to catch it. Cause that seemed like supernatural, not supernatural, but very natural to me. Right, right. And, right. and I thought that their chemistry in that scene, I really liked. And I wished, I almost wish that it would have started on more of that scene instead of him coming up to her, like, like a Folgers commercial or something, you know, like an right. X-rated Folgers commercial, but like, <laughs> like the like the brothers, <laughs> yeah, like those two. Because I agree, I like that trope you? is so stupid. But um, I do Which like their chemistry when they're like not first waking up. I guess. Right. Did Did I ever tell you that I was talking about that Folgers commercial with my mom, and she goes, "Oh yeah, I saw that earlier today, and I cried, and I was like." You cried at the incest Folgers commercial. <laughs> Mike, do you know do you know what commercial she's talking about? It's yep. like a, a brother that comes yeah. home from being abroad or something. 
Yes. She's okay. like, uh, yeah. like in Africa and she's like, I missed you so much. And I was like, these two are not related. They are fucking, <laughs> <laughs> they are doing the dirty. <laughs> They're all like, oh my God, I miss you so much. And I was like, I would have never talked to my brother or sister like that. Okay. No. Never. Like it makes me uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable to think of it. I don't do this anymore, but when I was in, when I had to give, like birthday gifts to my brothers. It makes me uncomfortable to think about giving them like a nice birthday card. That's how, and that's not even me talking. It's just words. They're like a brother is more than like, I could never get hit one of those cards for either right, of them. Right, right, right. Anyway. In calligraphy. What? The card is written in giant calligraphy. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, is, yeah, what yeah, can I, I say about a brother like you? Yeah, so anyway. Oh, then a brother is a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know. It's very mm. sibling relationships <laughs> in movies, which we've discussed multiple times, are usually and like father and daughter strange. relationships in movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, what were you going to anyway. say about her and Robin? Oh, Robin, um, Beth. So, um, I didn't really particularly give a shit about them. Um, especially her and this sounds kind of bad, but like when he was so insistent on going to rescue her, I was kind of like, okay, but you can't rescue her if you die, you know? And so the entire movie, I was like, what are you doing? Go to safety. Like I was like, first of all, the, the wall fell on her. So my assumption was that she was already dead. I mean, I think it's a, it's a, like, I think that he is a good man for going after her, but I also think that in this incredibly um, unique situation that if you don't know whether or not she's still alive, then maybe you should worry about yourself instead of someone who may be dead. And then if you go after her, you may die as well. You know, like, and, and I just, I like, and I kind of was like a little confused. This, like, she brought like the dude over to like the party. Travis was his name. And, um, and I just, I just didn't care. Like, I really didn't care about their relationship. And everyone was like, oh my God, they slept together. And I was like, who gives a shit? Um, and I, cause I think I just, I, I don't just, think, I don't think I agree with anything you just said. <laughs> just to, okay all right well let's let's hear i i did at first um i don't mean with what lauren said first i mean when i was re-watching it at first i thought this is a little tropey like but it's kind of like a damsel in distress and the male hero has to go rescue her and i thought that's kind of stupid for a movie like this why do i like this movie so much and i what i think you need to Rob loves this girl mm-hmm. and maybe he doesn't want to admit it, but let's say he does go to safety and survives. And for the rest of his life, he will be stuck with, I fucking abandoned the, the woman I loved and maybe I could have saved her. I'll never know now though. And she's fucking dead. Yeah, that's I know exactly what, that's exactly what I was thinking when you were talking, Lauren, I was, I was like, I don't, I think it's actually like stupider to be like, well, I'm going to safety, you know, like if you, cause he got that call from her when she was like, you know, he got this like distress call from her. So he knew that she was 
probably still alive probably and i think that that's enough sliver of a hope where like i don't think i could leave somebody i think i don't think i could do it I don't think I could either, but I think that part of it for me was that there wasn't enough of a basis of their relationship. So therefore I was kind of like, uh, okay. Like I, yeah, it is, it is different if you don't care about the characters. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And there is one character that I didn't like immediately. And so when he died, I was like, oh, so sad. <laughs> and that is Jason. Yeah. He was I kind of a piece of didn't shit. like Jason. <laughs> and it was like, he, like, he's just like he frustrated me from the moment he was on camera because his girlfriend is rushing. She's obviously stressed out about this whole thing, like feeling anxious, you know, she's putting together this awesome party for his brother. Like it's very thoughtful. Um, And he's just like, what do you want me to do? You want me to use the camera? And she's like, I just spent so much time doing all this shit, putting this shit together for your brother. You can carry a fucking camera around for a couple hours. And he was like, oh, well, um, I don't really want to. So I'm just going to give it to my friend. And I was like, fuck you, Jason. Help your fucking girlfriend out. Like, it really, I really, like, from the moment he was on the screen, he immediately irritated me. And I don't know if it's, like, the actor, Mike Vogel, because anything else I've seen him in, he's always a douchey character. Like he was in Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and he was a douche in that. Yeah, he was like the yeah. camp counselor. Yeah. Yeah. And he like sleeps with um Blake Lively's character. Yeah. yeah. And then he's just like, oh well, you know, whatever. And she's like, okay, I'm like 19, but that's cool. You know, like super young. And so I like from the moment he was on there, I was just like, I don't care what happens to this guy at all. And then when he died, I was like, oops. Oh, well, <laughs> like so sad. He's gone now. I you know, think, so, I yeah. think that they went a little bit heavy handed with him because we had to get so much of his character in such a short time. And I yeah. agree with you because he was almost non-essential well oh no i really really like the scene in the subway when rob is talking to his mom on the phone and he breaks down me too so there was a purpose for him to be in the movie because that scene i think is really well done and i really like hud and how uncomfortable he is when he's talking to marlena and he's like i don't know what to say i think i should say something and i think that that's very true to life we're like Mm -hmm. in the midst of tragedy you're supposed to comfort somebody but you don't really know how to or even not even in tragedy like if your friend has something bad happen to them you know you should comfort them but you're just not sure how to you know right yeah and i really like that whole scene and that and that and so i guess jason was pivotal because then that scene well you know who knows what the movie would look like without him but i agree with you that he's i don't think he's supposed to be i don't think he's supposed to be a likable character i don't know there's no, really nothing redeeming about him i don't think so either and i don't know and and lily like and i thought lily was really sweet too so i liked her and i don't know i i think that the problem with this whole thing is that um I think I would have cared more about these characters and about the relationship between uh, Beth and Rob if I liked the movie more, you know? Maybe, but... And uh, (laughs) so, yeah. Wait, can I actually say something real quick or did you have something to say about that? Oh, go ahead. 
Okay, so I wanted to say something because I thought this was funny, but the only other thing I've ever seen Robin was when he played a character in Don't Trust the Bee from Apartment 23. Oh, geez. And he was from Chloe, who's the bee, her, um, a camp that she went to as a kid for psychopathic kids. (laughs) And his main purpose for coming into town was that he stopped taking his meds so that when she goes to a sample sale, he can literally like push and beat people out of the way because he's so psycho. So he was like, when I saw him in this, I was like, I was like, that's Teddy from Don't Trust the Bee in the Warrior 23. And I was like, what kind of character is he going to play? So I was really curious because I was like, interesting. I wonder if he's going to be kind of psycho in this too, because he's good at doing like the empty, like kind of just cold stare, you know? And, um, and it, it was, it was interesting to see him in that role, but I really liked him in this, in this movie, actually. I thought he did quite a good job. So I have to say that. I mean, I didn't, I didn't fully hate, like, I didn't hate the movie. I thought that there were things I liked about it, but I think that I, I was indifferent enough about it that that's the reason why I feel the way about Rob going after Beth. You know what I mean? Something about Rob and Beth that I really like is that I think the flashbacks give me personally enough of a basis to want them to be together because you see that they like all the assumptions I make about them based on the party. So the party is just a big group of friends. And I really like when he, when HUD finds out that Robin and Beth slept together and then he just goes around and tells everyone at the party because I know they're like, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone. Yeah. No, he's like, I won't. Then he tells Robin and Beth totally slept together. (laughs) And then, so I like that because you get the feeling that all these friends are watching these two people just circle each other for years probably probably since high school they've probably been circling each other and neither one of them wanted to admit their feelings or you know it's complicated and and then finally for the two characters they finally like cross that bridge right before he's going to the other side of the world which is kind of like how does a rome how does a new relationship let alone any relationship but a new one survive like twelve thousand twenty thousand miles i don't know you know and Crossing the ocean either way. Yeah. And so there's that drama for them. But then there's also like how everybody at the party probably wanted them to get together. And now it's all like they all are interested in the information. And I really think it's very realistic. I think the interpersonal relationships in this movie are very like, I think Mike, you said that they were natural. And I think that that's a perfect way of saying it. Like, I feel like this could be real footage of a real party, you know? Oh, yeah. No, I totally agree. I wanted to go back to something you mentioned earlier, Samantha, about about the relationships, because I made a specific note when I was watching about how I wrote all the relationships make sense 10 minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. That's how quickly it worked to establish who was who and what their relationships are like. Yeah. And I wanted to also mention, <laughs> Lauren uh, mentioned uh, that. Beth brought Travis to the party. I love Travis. This poor <laughs> bastard. He's in the crossfire <laughs> of something he has nothing to do with. I presumably he's done nothing wrong. He's just there <laughs> smiling, being polite. And he just uh, thinks he's dating a cute girl. Yeah. He's yep. Like, yeah, yeah. He's cute. Like his girl's cute and I get to go on a date. Woo. Yep. And then, the, yeah, R- Rob is there and there's problems with Rob and Beth, and he's just kind of caught in the middle and that sucks and it's really I found it amusing and one other detail is um 
Lauren saying Jason's kind of an asshole to how he, he didn't want to deal with the camera. But thank goodness he did give the camera to HUD because I think HUD is like the total comedy relief in this movie. And I thought his off-screen performance, the whole thing was really good and funny and likable. And Samantha touched on his dealing with Marlena. And I thought there, that was almost like the very beginning because he's trying to get to know her better and she's dismissive at first, but then he kind of starts to grow on her a little mm-hmm. bit. And they had, that scene in the subway was really sweet, I think, um, because we see that HUD isn't just a total goofball. Like he's thinking about his friend and he wants to help, but like most people, he isn't sure what to do. And also I want to double down on that subway. That scene on the subway platform is awesome and it's kind of like it's kind of akin to a death scene in a regular like a a conventional movie as compared to uh found footage but it was so it felt so authentic and just seeing the one side of a phone conversation and his performance and how he sort of broke down and we don't even hear what the parent is saying mm-hmm. but we know it's terrible and it was oh, so yeah. it felt so real and it that's like the tragedy for the hero quote unquote to overcome is this horrible thing that just happened to him and his family but I, a fantastic scene on that so wait can i yeah. um before we go into that can i say one more thing i wrote down ew travis and beth look like siblings yeah <laughs> that's a, lauren likes to point out the yeah they it's it's something that they do in movies all the time in TV shows where they have people that are together and they look like siblings and I'm like why any other person in the world you could you had to choose a brown haired brown like a brown whatever you know what I mean like they look like siblings also that guy is in the show Superstore so yeah he is yeah, yeah which I decided to stop watching because they did a COVID storyline and I was like no I've lived through it bye <laughs> right now it's we're all in a COVID storyline. Yeah. yeah. Um, he always reminds me of the guy, the kid from Rookie of the Year. Like, pitcher's got a big but You know, that guy. He's also an American Pie. Those two uh, actors are very similar to me, and I get them confused sometimes. If you told me the actor, maybe, but I don't think I remember. Oh, well. Um, I had to plug in my phone. Hang no, on. I did. I did actually write down. So back to back to the whole story or the... um the platform subway platform I wrote down that I don't think I'd be able to tell my mom that my brother died while I was trying to escape this creature I think I would have waited to tell her I think I like if I was in that situation I had to tell my mom that my sister died I wouldn't have been able to do it at that moment I would have been like I would rather tell her in person or something I don't know I can, but, he wasn't going to get that chance <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean I know I mean yeah I think obviously I have never and likely will never be in that situation, I hope, um, you know, but um, I I think it's obvious, I think it's a little different, I guess, when you're living through a traumatic situation and like how you deal with it or how, you know, you respond to things is going to be, um, I mean, you have a traumatized brain, so your brain is like, it's not behaving the way it normally would, you know? Um, I yeah. don't know. I, I wrote that down and I, I thought that that was, that was very intense and, and sad, but I also wrote down too, that there, 
when Lily and Rob are sitting in there embracing near the Nokia ad after he calls his mom, the way that they're hiding. <laughs> Nokia ad. <laughs> yeah, it's a Nokia ad. Well, because I noticed this, that the way that they are sitting there, um, they their bodies are are like hiding the words in a way that it only says call now on the ad. And I thought oh, that that interesting. was interesting. So I was like, hmm. I want yeah, I went on purpose, you know. Little, little yeah. subtext there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I every time I watch the movie, I think that scene is that scene in the subway is my favorite, my absolute favorite scene in the entire movie. And I I think it's I think it makes sense that he told his mom because in that moment like his world is falling apart and he just like, here's his mom. Like, you know, when you're like, I, somebody said this to me once and it's always stuck with me. We were talking, I was talking with a friend about like, when you're sick or you have a fever or you're like really upset and you're like crying and you're flushed. Like when you were a kid, like your mom always had like the coolest hands, you know, she'd like put her hands on your face or or your forehead and she always had like the most comforting, like cool hands. And that's what I think of when he like gets his mom on the phone, you know, it's like, how can he not tell her? You know what I mean? Like, like his brother has just died. The woman he loves might be dying or dead. He probably is going to die. And, and now here's this like phone call from another world like right now she's not in the same world that he's in you know like she's safe right. and it's his mom and it's like her cool hand and that's kind of what that scene feels like I don't know it's like a beautiful it's just such no, a no I like scene. that I that's a good description I really like that that's um it's kind of because when I'm when I'm upset I call my mom yeah I'm, I'm close with my mom so mm-hmm. when I'm upset about something I call her and I cry or whatever and uh, you know, I mean, most of the time she has something to that usually calms me down, but um, I I can see what you mean big time that just maybe like hearing her voice is enough for him to be like, Jason died, you know, yeah. like, and yeah, and being, being able not, to not hold it in or, or whatever. Um, and I think like yeah. if you... Like, it almost feels like maybe she could fix it. Like, she can't fix it, but maybe to right. you, it would feel like you can fix this for me. You can make it make sense. I don't know. I just, it's really well done. And yeah, him and Lily, how they like both cared about Jason so much. Mm-hmm. I like that they, you know, like they're kind of family, even though they're not like at the party scene. She's like, even though we're not family yet. And Jason's off camera is like, let's not talk about that right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also think that when he was talking to his mom in the, from the platform that you might be thinking this might be the only chance for our mom to hear this from a family member. Yeah. Because if I, I don't make yeah. it out of here and I don't call her or tell her about my brother and her, her other son, then both of us are just going to be like declared missing in action or whatever, you know, just gone. And then there's, she wouldn't have any closure on either of them. And in this way, she knows at least what happened to Jason and she heard it from her other son. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. And I'm not saying all that would calculate in my mind in that situation, you know, g- given the trauma that Lauren talked about, how traumatizing that would be. But in hindsight and watching it, I can think these things through and justify all of that. And I also like what you just said, Sam, about like maybe getting some comfort from your mother in that because I haven't I hadn't thought about it from that other angle um 
I also wanted to add one more thing about the, his rescue mission to uh, go get Beth. Um, under more normal circumstances, it, that would seem even more foolhardy. But because all of Manhattan is in chaos and all the rescue services is like out there, it's beyond their capacity, he was presumably her only hope for survival. Yeah, yeah. Because there, yeah. Isn't, there isn't a Beth like firefighting crew that's devoted to her to go <laughs> like, like life call, life alert, to go get, <laughs> we gotta get Beth. Yeah. So he's the only one who's got this message and he, he has to assume I'm the only one that she called. And yeah. it's on, like, I'm her only hope, even if I'm just me. Like, can I save her? Probably not. But if I don't try, nobody else is going to. So that's the other thing I thought of about that. Yeah, no, that's a really All great right. point. That's a well, really I'm great a point. I'm a psychopath, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a great point. I do want to go back a little bit. I know we're stuck, like the beginning is so good, but two things that I really, really love. I love when it first happens and they're on the fire escape and the, like all of a sudden there's just like the shake and then the explosion noise and everything. I think that's really creepy and it's kind of scary. Like not going to keep me up at night scary, but just like imagine being in that situation. It's like terrifying. And they think it's like, and about the lights go out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they think there's like an earthquake, which I, I think is pretty rare in New York, you know, and everybody's scrambling. And then I wanted to mention that like when they get back into the apartment, cause they were on the roof hanging out, they go back inside after that shockwave and they turn the news on. And I love how there's a news report and yeah, the headline says possible earthquake in lower Manhattan. Oil yeah. tanker. And it's like, I love that, how it develops because no one knows what the fuck is going on. And it, this develops into a monster movie, but that's how it would happen. They're not, the headline's not going to say probably a monster running loose. No, it, it's so, something of this earth and uh, we'll go with earthquake for now. I don't yeah. know. Everything is Oh, sorry. It's so great. The chaos, the way it builds. I totally agree. That's something, one of the reasons I love the movie so much is the tension of mystery, like builds so beautifully. Um, I, I just looked it up to see if there's any faults fault lines in New York City <laughs> and there's a 125th street fault which is the largest one in New York City extends from New Jersey to the East River while partially running to the northern tip of Central Park and extending to Roosevelt Island um, there's also the Dickman Street fault which is located in Inwood I mean I don't know so it's possible I'm just saying like it is possible that it could have been like an earthquake in these people's mind you know what i mean no it makes it like but it'd be extra scary like an earthquake that strong happening here would be really scary because we do oh, get yeah. some earthquakes but we don't get earthquakes like that so in new york city an earthquake that's big enough to like make power go out and make the building shake would be terrifying because it's not like you know they're not like on the san andreas faults or something right also, no, I mean, either way yeah that'd be scary I also made a note that that first event, uh, the shockwave, occurred 18 minutes into the movie. So this movie really chugs right along. Yeah, um, I, I like I noticed, that. Yeah, I noticed before I started, it's not even 90 minutes. So it's like, it really jumps right into it. And that fits in with like how in 10 minutes I said, I feel like I know the status of the main characters. And then eight minutes after that, the the first attack occurs and it it's the pace is really cool like you 
you don't really get to catch your breath. It's cool. And also, Lauren, I want to add, I do not think you're a psychopath. I, I think it's very healthy to have a strong survival instinct. And who knows what I would do. I'm, I'm all right. Well, you're all leaving for left for dead. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Everyone for themselves. Um, <laughs> no, I actually, I really agree with you that uh, the, I like that, that it was very fast paced. Cause I think that there's a lot of movies out there where there's so much buildup as to like the characters relationships. And it's almost, it's either like not essential or it's like something that could be done as time goes on. And it's like too focused on like, you know, I don't know, like the early morning, like, Oh, you caught me sleeping. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. They really trim, they trim yeah. the fat really well. And they, they I do. think that that is a testament to probably the writing and the performances, how they can establish these deep connections so quickly which probably isn't easy to do uh, because some movies no. don't do it very well at all. And this movie does it, like Mike said, in like 10 minutes and it does it yeah. well. So yeah, I think it's, it's very strong. It's very well, well written, well performed. And I mean, some movies have a two hour window to develop these characters and they never do. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, so, exactly. Like, yeah. And um, yeah. another thing that I really like is when they're all getting on the bridge and it's so chaotic and i think that feels very realistic too and that would be almost something like in my head obviously it's easy to say this sitting on my sofa but like going the way of a crowd in a disaster situation just always seems like such a bad idea to me and i like that this movie sort of illustrates yeah it's a bad idea like on the bridge and there's so many people and there's people everywhere and they can't stay together and I like how the brother dies because uh, once again, I yeah. feel like that's a believable thing. Like just by happenstance, you were not next to him when the, like the tentacle came down and broke the bridge and, and they don't even really fully know what happened at that point. And everybody's like starting running for their lives. And I think that that's a really cool scene as well. It's a right, super right. dangerous, it's a super dangerous place for something like this, you know, a monster attack for something yeah. like that to happen because you're on an I mean, island and the only way off the island is via bridges and yeah. bridges are not safe when there's a rampaging animal <laughs> you know yeah and especially if they can be destroyed by one hit okay mm, yep. yeah but if the um, animal is that strong and yeah and i like how when they're on the th on the bridge there's like the helicopter with the spotlight on the bridge and then you see the helicopter with the spotlight on the headless statue of liberty and then you see like the oil tanker on fire and buildings on fire and i just think that would be terrifying and they encapsulate they make it seem really realistic even though obviously there's never been a monster attack but it just seems like i would that's what it would look like to me you know I feel like I have to say that if this did happen to me, I would go back for my friends, okay? Oh, I just have to see this. <laughs> now I'm feeling like this immense sense of guilt. It's all that Roman Catholic Italian guilt inside me. <laughs> uh, it's all um, right, Lauren. <laughs> I actually had a, a question for you guys about the Statue of Liberty. Do you think that the reason that it pulled off its head is because maybe it thought it was like a human, like a really tall human. I mean, I, I just thought of that and I was kind of like, may, I mean, you know, human shaped. Yeah, I, I guess. That. I thought it was just a, another bit of collateral damage of its like random thrashing about the city. And it, it yeah. did that to 50 buildings. And I feel like the statue was just a part, a part of all that. But 
that reminds me of something I wanted to point out is that I think this movie, I, I think of three scenes that I think were really awesome in the, the Statue of Liberty's one. Like, I think yes. that could be an iconic movie shot for decades of the headless Statue of Liberty. Um, it, it's on the cover or the poster or it's on, the, I know it's on the DVD yeah. uh, or whatever. Um, but also the scene, uh, highly unlikely uh, this group would be there when it happened, but the head of the statue goes rolling down the street and settles yeah. kind of in front of them. And that's so fucking unrealistic that that would happen or that it would stay intact. But I also think it's cool as hell. Like just the imagery, like our world is really falling apart and the statue of Liberty can't do anything about it. Welcome <laughs> nobody anymore. We're all fucked. <laughs> <laughs> We're all fucked. Pieces. And that well, should be the tagline of the movie. We're all fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um, I I like the Statue of Liberty part two and I, or, or as well, I should say. Um, and I do agree with you that it's unrealistic that it would just land like right in front of them. But I liked as they got closer that there were like these like sears of like where it still looked like it was burning, like within the face of the uh, the statue. And so it it just had so much like there's just so much more other than it just being you know beheaded or whatever it was like clearly like i i don't know i have i have to say that i will say one of the things i really do like about this movie um there are certain things that i wish that they had given a little bit more information about that we'll get into later but um that i like that it is seen from and the information that you're getting is from people who have no idea what's going on you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so you're you're in the same boat that they are where you're like, well, what the hell is happening? And they're like, we don't know. None of us know. And I mean, because why would it? Why would you have more information? You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I thought that that was a clever way of doing that because it's it's just sometimes I feel like there's maybe too much given and there shouldn't be because there's like not enough mystery. Uh, but with this, I felt like that, that I think that they did a good job with that one, you know? And yeah. as unrealistic as the, the intact head rolling down the street might be, it, I think it is cool how a crowd of onlookers immediately gathered around it with their phones out, like yeah. taking pictures of it or video of it. Um, I thought that was cool. And, um, I wanted to talk about two specific scenes and how it relates to how much sense they made compared to a, a lesser filmmaker or worse editing or storyboarding or something. They could have been a total mess. And the first is when uh, Rob gets the message from Beth and he decides that he's going to go find her. And somebody in the group says, or uh, Beth is in Midtown and we need to go away from Midtown and the camera cuts down there on like the, the corner of a block and the camera looks down an alleyway and you see like a mob of people going in one direction and we know that rob is planning on going the opposite direction and it was two or three seconds long but it made it so clear it was like a clear and present danger is this way yeah. the mob of people is escaping that way but rob's gonna go against the grain anyway and it, it was so perfect like mm -hmm. yeah i like that too um and the other one is 
when they actually go to rescue Beth and they show an exterior shot of one building leaning up against the other. So it's at like a, a 20 degree angle leaning up against Beth's or not. It's Beth's building is the yeah. one that's tipped over. And then they have to ascend the intact building and cross from its rooftop onto Beth's building, which is tipping over. And all of that could have been so murky and looked like shit. And I wouldn't know what's going on, but because of that super important establishing shot of the building and yes. then how everything was tipping over when they got onto her building, it all looked right and felt right. I knew exactly what was going on the whole time in a found footage movie where it could have been a total mess, but they executed it perfectly. And I always, I try to make note of things like that because it's easy to not give credit for that. It's easy to just say, oh yeah, this is what happened. But there's so many movies where it's a mess. So I think it deserves a lot of credit for getting these chaotic scenes done in a way that makes sense to me. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that's a lot of things that you almost take for granted when you're watching a movie, especially when the movie makes sense. You don't really stop to think about why is this making sense when it could possibly be a mess, like you said. And that's a great point, how that shot how they mimicked the shot so well when they were climbing up on the roof. I, that's a cool observation. Yeah, I um, I did write, <laughs> I did write down that the most unrealistic thing about this movie is that no one is complaining about how many stairs they had to climb. <laughs> oh Forget it. Yeah, she at least like they had a shot of Lily where she had taken off like her stiletto heels, and I thought that was pretty realistic. But yeah, me too. Um. In Speaking of Ghostbusters, they even did that in Ghostbusters. They had they had to scale a, a building. Oh yeah! And, and Peter yeah. Eichmann says something like, "Let me know when we get to the thirtieth floor. I'm gonna throw up." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the end, when yeah, when they were at that the cool apartment buildings, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I I wrote that down because I was like, no one like I'm like you climbed fifty seven stairs and no one's like, I'm dying. <laughs> you know, like I'm dying. Yeah, just made myself cough. <laughs> I um I wanted to talk about Mike something you said about people all going in the wrong direction or the one direction he wanted to go against the grain, and I really liked the creepiness. Um, like if anyone's seen the movie Titanic, then the rats <laughs> running is no like everyone knows that the rats are running away from a predator, right? Like in Titanic, there's that classic scene where he's like, if that's the way the rats are going, it's good enough for me. So nobody is, should be surprised when they're in the tunnel, like the pitch black tunnel and the rats are all running. But I really, and I know that it's, it's nothing new and nothing groundbreaking, but I think it's really creepy still when they, the rats are running and then they find the night vision. And then you see like the weird little pod creature that the, the main monster is like dropping off. And you see it up on the ceiling of the subway and HUD's just like, run, run now, run. You know, I think that that, I just, I really like that. And I, I think it's done really well, even though it's not done. I mean, it's not original, but I think that it's, it's fresh enough where I really enjoy it. Yeah. I like that too. And I, I, I don't know if I was just missing this or something, but was there like a light bobbing around like in the ceiling? There were like little lights through, like, because it will just along like the way. one light, and then you see like the eyes of the creature, 
but like it was a light that was bobbing around so i thought maybe that had something to do with it but i couldn't tell if it was just an actual light and he was just shakily moving the camera or what you know what i mean i think there were lights along the ceiling of the tunnel but they didn't really illuminate anything so when he put the night vision on and looked at the creature perhaps one of those lights was in the shot i don't know yeah yeah it probably wasn't essential but i i like that scene too with all the rats because i was like oh shit the rats are running you better run now and i was like and i was kind of frustrated that and i call i actually call it something i call it staring into the light and it's when, and it happens in a lot of movies, and it's when someone sees something that's going to, like, save them, but instead of running towards the thing, they just stand and stare at it. I'm like, don't fucking stare into the light. Run, you asshole. Like, and it's like, did you ever see the movie, um, the, I think it's called The Cube? It's not that good. I don't know. It's like a weird, like, these I people are like... It's like from the '90s, but it's like this weird movie where this these people are like caught in these, in this cube, and it's like this ever moving cube. So they have to use like math to try and get out. And this one dude, who like the entire movie is like, life doesn't matter, whatever. So you're kind of like, all right, shut up, dude. Like we're all trying to survive here. But then at the very end, he's like one of the only two survivors, and she's like, okay, I'm out of here. I'm gonna like leave this prison, and he's just like standing there staring. And then the door closes, and he dies. And and so you kind of assume that he ends up like starving to death in there and i was just like all right you know what just stare into the light why don't we talk about how much you hate or whatever you know what i'm getting into he (laughs) really frustrated by that movie but no i think that trope that trope is also like when the bad guy gets the gun trained on the good guy he always pauses to make a speech but in real life he would just shoot him you know things like that i think right right, yeah let me tell you about my master plan it's like wouldn't you rather just shoot me no shut up you need to hear about this Yeah. So yeah, I guess there is yeah the for dramatic effect that happens a lot, and I think you have to find a way to creatively do it. Otherwise, yeah, it is pretty stupid. Yeah, it's just I mean, to me, like they know that they. Did you think so? You think that that happened in the scene? Yeah, because of the rats. Like you think they should have started running when the rats were. Oh, absolutely. Because they paused. Because they were like, "What's happening?" And I was like, "Well, the rats are running." So, you know, like it's like they know they're in danger. They know without a doubt that they are in danger, that their lives are in danger. And the first thing that they do when they see a bunch of rats running is stop to see what they're running from. Don't stop. Keep moving. Go faster. You know? Yeah, I see your point. And as a viewer, I think that. But in the moment, I, I think it's though, I don't think it's as egregious to me in that scene as it might have been to you because I see the point where they're like, what are the rats doing? Because I don't think they knew about the little things, the little creatures. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, I mean, I but guess I don't I think you're see... wrong. Like, I think it's a terrible trope, like the staring into the light thing. Right. I, yeah, right. it's not good. Yeah. I mean, I could see like, um, I guess human curiosity kind of makes sense for that, that maybe I would stop too. But to me, it seems, it just seems like, like I was just like, run, you know, like, what are you doing? (laughs) You know? So Mm -hmm. yeah. I like the character of Marlena a lot. I really like when you first meet her and she's sitting at the bar and she has the, the uh, cocktail umbrella in her teeth and she's just Mm -hmm. like looking at her phone and then as Mike said, she's like, she sort of like HUD sort of starts growing on her. And I like how she saves, like she rescues him to her own detriment. And I, mm-hmm. I think that that's 
really an interesting t- turn for her character who we don't really learn much about at all. Yeah, yeah. I um I liked Marlena too. I like Lizzie Kaplan a lot actually. Sa- yeah, same. Um ever since I saw her in like I was always kind of on the fence about her and then I saw her as Annie Wilkes in um in Castle Rock and she was amazing in that role and I was like fan for life after that because <laughs> she was so good. Then she was so good and she was so like good at being creepy and um it was just such a good like season that I I was like okay I'm in I'm I'm on board I'm 100% on board with Lizzie Kaplan now I was actually if you guys want to talk about the monster that bit her I was curious about what happened with Marlena and actually I think I was the most attached to her in the film um and so when she when they finally uh meet the army the military and she's like and they realize that she was bitten and they're like leading her behind the curtain. First of all, I thought that she was shot in the head. Uh, but then, so I Googled it. Cause I was like, what the fuck happened to Marlena? You know? And, and screenrant.com It says that she had um, exploded because you yeah. see, yeah. You, so you see like, I'm sure you guys notice this, but you see a corpse that's being like, uh, walked through and it's like the stomach is like gone like it's like exploded right yeah corpse on a gurney and they say as it's passing like we have another bite or it was it got bitten or something yeah and then you just see her explode through like a silhouette on a curtain yeah so when I read so I read this and it's on uh, as I said screenrant.com it said while the massive monster nicknamed Gl- clover by fans gets all the glory the creature is actually covered in thousands of parasites and these parasites are deadly in their own way the creature's saliva has concentrated levels of kati no mitsu in their blood coincidentally kati no mitsu is a key ingredient in slusho's signature drink and slusho is the company that rob was moving to japan for so i was like whoa okay um and basically that there that one of the um theories that's born from this mythology is that water poured into the parasite accelerates the degenerative process of its victims uh because humans are made up of about 60% of water. So mixing in a little Katai no Mitsu is explosive. And oh, it's wow. so reactive that it's a victim's bodies explode within 20 to 40 minutes. So Damn. yeah. Jeez, yeah. that's interesting. And I thought that that was really interesting too, that that was like what Rob was going to Japan for was like the thing that killed his friend. Like, and I, that are kind of friend, but like, you know, um, and I, I just, I was like, whoa, that is like, that's a whole new level that, and that, that made me appreciate the film a lot more. Cause I thought that that was super cool, you know? Yeah. It's actually, um, I think it's Slusho. You said Slusho and it took me a Slusho. minute. Yeah. Slusho. And I think that's like a JJ Abrams, like an Easter egg that he puts in, like they talk about it in Star Trek where I think, uh, she's ordering at the bar and she says like with the Slusho mix. And, oh. um, I think in Super 8, even there's like at the Kelvin station, there's like a slusho machine or something. It's like, it's like a, a Easter egg that like JJ Abrams, I don't know what the importance of it is to him, but he puts it like you can find it in, in his movies. And Jason is wearing a slusho shirt. Oh, um, okay. So. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. 
I like when, it's like a drink, like, like slushy, but yeah, right. I like when doctors do that. Also, makes me want a slushy real bad. <laughs> I know, yeah, Slurpees. That's the word I was thinking of. Slurpee. Slurpee. Yeah. You don't have any Seven Elevens around here. There is anymore. um. If you go to a uh, Speedway, though, they have slushy stations. Oh yeah, slushies. Yeah, Seven yeah, Eleven isn't on this side of the state. I don't. I don't, I don't know uh, why. We used to it's have one. Weird. We used to have multiple ones. I don't know what happened, but yeah, it's very strange. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, she explodes pretty violently, which I always thought was pretty cool. Like I like. I really enjoy when you hear her off camera say, "Hud, I don't feel so well," and he looks at her, and she's like bleeding from the eyes, and oh yeah, and then they take her away, and it's very like it's very scary and chaotic and dramatic because she's yelling and he's got the camera and he's like, where are they taking her? And then, you know, yeah. And like you, and I, I like as a viewer that you're, you're, you're in the same um, place as these people because you're kind of like, wait, what just happened? What did I just watch? Cause you're like, she was taken away screaming and then she's suddenly dead. And again, I thought that she was shot in the head because I thought maybe they were like, like at first I thought maybe people that were bitten were turning into them. Um, but that wasn't until later when I looked it up that I was like, okay, that makes more sense. Uh, yeah. yeah. But it just, that whole scene and they're still like, what happened? What happened? What's going on with our friend? And, and, and it's, and they don't really have time to like mourn her because they're just, it's, it's, you know, they have to get to the, the helicopter on time and everything and rescue Beth. So, um, I, I do like that when the characters are confused, you as the viewer is also kind of like in the same boat as them. Because again, if it's found footage, so why would you know more than the, uh, more than the uh, characters know? You know? Yeah. It's, it's cool when they get into that, with the, when they meet up the military and then they're in that kind of medical triage area where they take uh, Marlena away. It's, it's like if, if this camera had been there you'd you could have a whole different movie about the events as they unfolded in that like impromptu triage place yeah and we we just come into their chaos with the this movie's characters and we're introduced into a scene where they have their own lingo already about the condition that is affecting people who are bitten by these by these creatures and yeah we're just thrown into a mix and they have their whole different storyline going on in there and they're dealing with it as best they can and our characters are thrown into it into the middle of it and it's it's pretty cool and chaotic yeah, yeah. and they kind of have to fight like the army because the army doesn't want to let them go off on their own again but then the the captain's like all right if you come back here at like six oh six hundred you know that's when our final evacuation is because we might have to level the city and it's it's very like it so is very scary. chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, they're saying you're, they're going to level the city. So this is like, okay, so you're going to say goodbye to your entire life, you know, like, and I, that's all I could think of is when he said that it was like, we're going to level the city. And I was like, oh my God, how devastating you're in all, oh, like, yeah. like all your things, your people, your, your home, like everything is gone mm -hmm. and not to mention how many people are just like well let's wait it out in our building you know yeah yeah and because i was kind of thinking that too i was like why aren't people just waiting inside it seems like it's a lot safer but then as 
And, and I thought that that was interesting that I thought that because that was like the only thought that occurred to me. Like, I was like, people are being ridiculous. Why are they running out on the streets? But then as I was watching the film, I was like, oh, that's why they're running out of the streets because they're not safe anywhere. Yeah. And, and I and do think so scary. I do think that um, this is, <laughs> I mean, the movie World War Z wasn't the greatest movie, but Brad Pitt's character says something that I think is pretty accurate. And he was talking to people who were like holing up in their apartments and he said you know like i've been all all over the world and i've been in many disaster scenarios and the people that make it are the people that move Mm. and sitting still is like death in a disaster situation which obviously was said for the movie but i think it is actually there is a grain of truth that like especially in a situation like this where like you have to get away from the danger you know and they tell us at work like like in like active shooter drills one of the instructions is like if you can leave leave like it's never like hide it's like if you have to hide hide but if there is a way out take that you know yeah so i think that that like not every disaster they're not gonna like level where you're at but i mean it is like i think it is sort of a survival thing where like movement is life so yeah yeah, I mean, just sense. a tremendous loss of life if they leveled the city. I mean, it's, but at the same time, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to have this creature start running all over the world and destroying everything. It's, it's like, yeah, it's like, it, it's, it comes to down to, and now this is obviously not something that the, the, the characters are going to decide, but it comes down to this very, moral qualm of do we possibly kill hundreds upon thousands of maybe millions of people to destroy this creature or do we save those people but potentially let even more people die and it's just like so you're I mean I can't even I can't even imagine making that kind of decision like as a a leader or president or whatever to make a decision to just bomb an entire city that has millions of people in it and that's terrifying and it's really sad you know and and very like and I think that is kind of as you say the whole subtext of the film is that there's just this incredible loss of human life and so what are you going to do are you going to let it keep taking human life are you going to make a decision and that's what it boils down to you know to me it it felt like the the response to the creature sort of came in waves. So it's obviously not their first choice to proceed with the hammer down procedure. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it felt like step one was like, kind of like roll in the national guard, like get some infantry, some tanks, some rocket launchers, things almost like a more of a defensive stance. Like let's try to see if we can stop it or kill it with, minimal collateral damage the next step the next step was one of my favorite shots in the whole movie when the the main characters are on the the helicopter escaping and hud is still filming out the window of the helicopter and a northrop grumman b2 spirit (laughs) stealth bomber flies over and you yeah that is a really cool shot you can see the bombs falling out of its bomb bay and it carpet bombs the monster and you get a perfect vantage point of it and it looks cool as hell and hud like does some celebratory like yeah that's what this shit is about (laughs) it was really cool and then of course the third phase of the response is 
the hammer down where presumably they drop a, a nuclear warhead on the island when right. uh, ben and Rob are taking shelter under the bridge in the park. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm just speaking to what Lauren was saying about uh, making that decision. And that's a terrible decision, yeah, for whoever makes it. But it, I like that the movie, the military response worked incrementally toward that decision. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. was a last resort for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do you do? You know, that that's the thing. What do you do? This is an unprecedented event. It's, it's, it's like, it's kind of, it, it I, I have to say that there, I think is a parallel to like what we're experiencing in our own world or particularly what we experienced last year with um, everything happening is that like, sure, plagues and, and, and diseases have happened before, but now we are at the point where there's a lot more people in our planet, you know, and there's a lot more chance of people dying because there's more people. And so now it's like, what do we do? Well, we shut everything down and we just, you know, squirrel away in our personal homes. And it's, it's like, I mean, I, the other, okay. So this is, I'm kind of going off track here, but there was a, um, I listened to a podcast episode about this one that murdered because that's like what I listened to um and she had gotten killed during the whole quarantine thing and I just like I I know that obviously like people who are living in environments with their um like abusers are are can't escape it because of what is happening in the world but then when I read that when I heard this it kind of just like hit so much harder because I was like oh my God, someone got murdered and they couldn't escape because of this COVID world. So it's kind of like the same. I, I mean, it's, it, you get what I mean. Like you, you kind of understand the parallel that I'm drawing, but it's just like, it's just, it's an unprecedented thing. It's a, it's a thing that you just don't know how to deal with. So how do you deal with it? And the way that you deal with it is by doing the extreme because what else are you going to do? You know? and it's scary and you try to save as many people as you can but there's going to be like there's going to be loss you know so just to bring everyone down a little bit you know i like it yeah no it was no it's a good point it's a good point i was going somewhere but i wasn't quite sure where i was going but i was like i'll make it <laughs> you'll find it you'll find it no it was I'll good it. it was good something interesting about the creature is that he isn't he doesn't know what he's doing and i think that's kind of a fascinating aspect is like it's just this thing this alien presumably who arrived on this planet and it's just trying to like get its bearings and it just keeps destroying things and now it's getting shot at and you know i think well, that that's it's probably kind of like what's happening guys what is yeah. going on <laughs> hey guys i'm here oh <laughs> Oh, there's all these sparklers around here. Oh, that we one come in peace. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's funny that like he's just walking through what happens to be the most densely populated city in the country, and and he doesn't. He's know. just trying to catch and, a meal. Yeah, you know? like, and um, so that's kind him, of him and all his thousands of parasites. Yeah, like, he doesn't know that the parasites are bad. You know, they're his. Anyway. Maybe it's a symbiotic relationship. Maybe they. You know, they like pluck things off his skin and, and that's how they feed. And then, you know, he takes some place. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. whatever. It really did the, have the hmm? of a it really did have the feel of a wild animal. Yeah. Um, sort of turned loose. Uh 
it just happened to be an otherworldly animal. But yeah. I don't re- necessarily get the a sense of evil from it. it it's no, more exactly. Like confusion, yeah. It's more like like humans walking down a sidewalk like to the ants on the sidewalk like we don't really we're not like purposely trying to like destroy ants but we just do because we're the apex predator so that's kind of what i thought of as well yeah and i i like mike touched on this earlier and i really like that we barely get a glimpse of him um i do too. actually i was gonna say that too i like that too that i thought as far oh sorry i'm interrupting you but as far as like it it comes from 2008 i thought that it was awesome cgi for what it was i was like and i I think that that is 13 years old this looks good like shit i think the reason it looks good is because they were very restrained i Um, think so too i think in a movie like this it's it'd be so easy for the the director and the crew to be like and then at the end we see the monster and we see him moving for an extended period of time and we watch him topple a building, but they never, like we watch him climb this building and topple it. They never did any of those like cheap shots. I mean, you do get the shot of him like when the camera drops after HUD dies, but even then it's not like a great shot. It's very no. like, it's, it's, he's off the frame. It's, it's only a partial shot of him. And, and I just think that that's, they showed great restraint and i think like you said the movie is better for it because yeah obviously he's not real so the best way to convey the realism is to not overdo it and show him well the the part when hud dies and the camera falls next to him and it's like going in and out of focus i like that a lot too same yeah yeah i like um i think the the movie really benefits from the the found footage aspect and the fact that it was shot largely at night. I think those help yes. when you do, when you do see the monster, it looks it looks better because of those things. Like it doesn't have to live up to the standard of a 4K high def camera in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. It's, right, it, right. It glimpses of it in the dark on a camcorder and it looks real it looks real because of those things and the kind of the shakiness of it uh, adds in as well. Uh, you do get the one shot in broad daylight at the end of its head, and I don't—I almost feel like that was too much. But yeah, it was, yeah, it, um, it didn't linger for too long. But I, yeah, restraint is maybe the best way to describe how they shot the monster. It was always in it. The monster design is bonkers too. Like it's vaguely humanoid. Like it—it it seems to walk upright, but I'm never like if you only watch it once i feel like you'd never get a full idea of how its anatomy is quite laid out or how mm-hmm. its limbs work and everything it's so cool i, I thought don't know. it kind of walked on all fours i didn't think it was bipedal i thought okay, it, you might be right it walks on all fours doesn't it or does it walk uh, upright i'm not i'm not exactly sure it looked upright in the park I, at the I end i think but- it I think it has like a gorilla sort of uh, design where I think it kind of is upright sometimes, but it does walk on all fours other times as well. Okay. okay. So I think did, you're both right. I think you're both right. Yeah. It's sort of like, remember when they're escaping in the helicopter, it sort of lunges upward at them with what would be like the equivalent of a forearm. So right. Yeah. In that. Yeah. So it might've been on all fours, but it has the ability to sort of pounce or, Mm-hmm. jump or extend itself yeah because i think 
I agree with you that it's it's really hard to get a grasp on like what it what it looks like and how it moves and um i i i also wanted to touch on something that i'm glad you brought up that the the film is largely at night and i think the lighting in the movie is so cool like the orange lighting with the dust it's so glowy and then when they're in the underground when they're in the the, um subway it's like very like harsh blue lighting and then when they get out at that stop where the the army is there's like the bright bright spotlights and I, I think the lighting in this movie is just beautiful all the way through. And even the in the first scene, um, it's like like a magic hour sort of blue hue in the bedroom, which mm-hmm. is really and then the the really like warm glowing lights of like the shelf with like the Mitt Romney picture <laughs> that you talked yeah. about. And and um I think that it's pretty masterful. The lighting is and then the movie ends at dawn and the, the the world is finally getting light which like usually in a movie like this like dawn means safety but then they die at dawn and i think that that's a really interesting juxtaposition as well and i i like the use of night versus day and light versus dark in the movie i think is really cool did you guys notice that whenever they show the time stamp it was always six ish no hour yeah it was like either 6 a.m or 6 p.m i noticed that three different times and i was like huh interesting because the first one it was like 6 a.m and then yeah and then like later was like 6 p.m and then it was like 6 a.m again and i was like that's weird that they would like uh, that had to be done purposely because yeah because they could choose any it's arbitrary like is it is it like a devil type thing like a 666 type thing or you know what i mean maybe I, I never noticed that. Yeah, I did. I noticed that and I was like, huh, that's interesting. I wonder, I wonder why they did that. You know, I can't like, imagine did you notice that, that at all? Unintentionally. I don't think I did notice that. My, when Lauren just described it, my first thought was that that just meant no one set the time on the camcorder. And so it just reads like a default setting. But if you're saying it's changing from AM to PM, that might be well, something else. Yeah, like in the in the minutes were changing. It was just the hour oh. that was always the same. It was oh, the I minutes were changing. Yeah, yeah. So um, I thought that that was that was interesting. That I was like, huh, okay. Yeah. Well, I do, yeah. In in the last scene when they're hiding under the bridge, uh, Rob and Beth, Rob, when he makes the kind of like the documentary statement about what was going on and why they're hiding, um, he says something like approximately seven hours ago something attacked the city so you do get that at least as like a form of timeline like how long how long has this been going on and yeah. i think they added that but i don't know how the hell that ties in with the the timestamp uh that you're seeing on the video i'm actually curious either. i'm curious now if uh the time on the in the first scene where they're waking up after they're like sexual escapade sexcapade <laughs> sexcapade um, i wonder if that time the timestamp on that when he walks into the bedroom is the same time that they die like a month later oh i'm curious now cuz that would be like an interesting little like the diff- the juxtaposition between the two mornings you know yeah 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 cuz like yeah that's interesting um the i wish that he had like this kind of bothered me that like I I like that he was like hi my name is Rob my name is Robert you know Hawkins um 
uh, you know, whatever. But I, I kind of wish that he had been like, mom, if you're hearing this, I love you. And I'm, you know, like, or something like that. Cause just to like add that emotional aspect in, <clears throat> I think would have been important. And I mean, I could maybe understand it was just kind of like, they didn't know how much longer they were going to live. And also they knew that the, uh, those alarms were going to go off in two minutes from whenever they found that out. So, how, uh, you know, how, I can't talk. Who knows how long it's going to be until those the the klaxon is actually what the alarm is called. The klaxon goes off. Um, but I kind of just wish that they had said something like, "I love my my family." If you're out there, I'm sorry, and I love you. You know, and it hmm. it just I, I think that would have added a an interesting emotional aspect to the film that I. It, it bothered me that he didn't say that, you know? I kind of, I know what you're saying, but I really liked that they told each other that they loved each other. And I thought that oh, yeah, maybe time. that would have been cheapened. It might've been cheapened if they had spent a lot of time like spouting off love for other people. I like that. It's like, these yeah. are my last words and I want to make sure I use them wisely. And I want to tell this one person who I've never told before. So I know what you're saying, but I think for the movie, for me, I think it was more emotional that they finally told each other. So yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, I think it talks? gives it more. <laughs> I think it gives it more impact that they express their love for each other when they didn't each also do that for their families. And mm -hmm. I, but I agree with Lauren. Like that, it would totally make sense that he would talk about his family on the video. For but sure. The way the way that I justify it, I guess, is that within the movie is that he was purposely just getting down to business. Like it, he wasn't trying to make an emotional video. He was literally documenting the night's events for whoever might find this. Um, so that's why he didn't talk about anything personal apart from listing by name, the people who are casualties of this, that he knew. Like he, he named his yeah. friends that in thousands of other people. Um, but yeah, and from, yeah, the filmmaking standpoint, like I said, I think there's just more impact in him, uh, he and Beth saying that they love each other. And I think it's such a, a cool transition that it goes from them dying in a nuclear inferno, <laughs> screaming, I love you to them on, uh, at Coney Island, just yeah. like she hurt leaning on him in like the golden hour, you know, like the sun is setting. And she says it's a good day and it's really a, a really cool juxtaposition going from like under the bridge uh with the yeah the klaxon sounding and the bombs landing and then this really serene peaceful moment where they're just silently enjoying each other's company yeah no yeah i totally agree i really like that and um i really like how i i think her performance She's not really in the movie that much, but I really like at the end when she's like, we're going to stay here. We're going to stay here and wait, right? And I think that, I don't know, it's, I really like that moment for her because she's so terrified. And they, I think she's like, it's like a form of shock where she, they, they, they know that they're not going to make it out, but it's almost like, we'll stay here and we'll be okay and we'll wait. And I think that it's, it's effective. It's, it's intense. I think it's, it's just the tiny piece of hope that everyone has that it's yeah. like, Maybe things will be okay, even if mm -hmm. you know that the world is literally crumbling around you and that 
like when that big huge piece of concrete falls on you that you're likely going to probably die from it you know and yeah, if the radiation and the inferno yeah. from the yeah well the yeah yeah whole yeah. all these different factors that are, are joining into yeah their their death um I do like that they say I love you. I thought that that was sweet. There's I, another moment that I, I really like, and it's very fast, and it's after they've rescued her, and they're at the helicopters, and they kiss each other. And I think that that's a really... As far as movie kisses go, I think that that one is, is like one of the better ones because it's like, yes. this might be our only chance because I've rescued you we're not out of the woods and it's like, let's just do this now. And I think that that's, and it's very fast and they don't make a big deal out of it. It just happens between them and we just sort of see it. And I think that that's, I really like that. And it felt organic too. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, Superman and Lois Lane, who's like, I hear that it goes downhill after them for his kiss. Like, yeah, Lois Lane, you're ruining it. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Also, because of the commotion surrounding that scene, we weren't subjected to kissing sound effects. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, kissing, which are the worst. Like, ugh. The like squelching wet noise. I'm like, oh my god, this is making me more sick than the motion sickness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. Lauren, did yeah. you say you wanted to say something about the rebar in Oh Beth's- yeah. Oh yeah. I was talking about how the wall had fallen on on Beth and the, the rebar was like impaling her through her shoulder or whatever. Um I I was just like because I knew that they were pulling her off of the rebar, and I was like, this is awful like this is like like not awful like as in bad like awful as in like just like I can't even imagine that kind of pain and I mean and I feel terrible like for the people who have to pick her off of it and knowing how much in pain she is like and they all have to like do it in a certain way so it goes out the same way that it came in it's not going to do more damage to her and she's like screaming and I mean it was just terrible you know and I and I keep touching my shoulder because I'm like imagining like, oh, God, no, right <laughs> there. Yeah, you know, like, ooh. I like how that happens off camera and you just see her feet as well. I think that's very creative Me too. Me too. Uh, and how she's pleading with them not to do it. Yeah. Even though yeah. like I like that because it seems really realistic, like they have to do it. But she's like, no, 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 no. You know? Yeah. Well, she knows like it's going to be a lot of pain and, and it's yeah, but you're right. They have to do it or, you know, what's going to happen. Um, but uh, I, I guess I liked it kind of more than I thought I did. <laughs> I'm, I'm I have a tendency sometimes to be like okay eh, but then I'll talk about it more and I'm like okay I see your points and I see why you like it and it makes me start to appreciate it more that, that's good that being said I don't necessarily care if I see the movie again but I am saying that it's I it, I can see why you guys like it I can definitely she's coming around it. yeah coming around I have I have a couple more things to say one okay might not convince you but the other one I want to talk about HUD he's my favorite character in the movie my favorite part of the movie all the way through i i think a character like him so dangerously walks a line between i hate this character and i love this character and i love his character i think probably a lot of it is the performance uh the actor i think just does a really good job but i think that everyone has a friend like that you know like sort of a goofy friend and mm-hmm. i 
like Mike said earlier, like he's not a total goof because he can understand, he can read the room in like a, an emotional situation. But um, I really like when they're walking up the stairs and he's talking about something and Lily and Rob are like telling him to shut up. And he's like, I can't, I have to talk about something or I'm going to shit my pants. And I love that line. Yeah. And there's another line that I've quoted before to myself is when after they've, uh, they've rescued Beth and she hears something and she's like, what is that? And, and HUD is like, that's something terrible. And then they get down into the stairwell and there's one of those little creatures and she goes, what is that? And he goes, that's something else. Also terrible. And I love that line. <laughs> and I, I think if he wasn't in the movie, I think I'd still like it, but I would not like it as much. I think he's very, very good. And I really got sad when he died. And I, like when the helicopter is crashing and he's like pleading, like, please God, please God. It's, it's very like, you can hear it in his voice. And I think that that's a really nice detail because it's terrifying. And then when he actually like does die and you see his head, that's jarring. It's jarring because yeah. it's a head, but it's also jarring because essentially we are like closest to HUD in this movie. Like we are like HUD and, right. and, and I, I, I legitimately didn't want his character to die. Like Lily is the only one who survived, and well, we don't know that for sure, though. Because I was actually gonna—I want to talk to you guys about that. What? What did you think? Uh, wait, actually, I have to say one more thing. Um, I agree with you with the the seeing HUD dead. Because for a second, I was like, "Is he still alive?" Maybe there's a possibility that he's still alive, but it's like deep down in my soul, I was like, "Girl, you know he's dead," you know. And um, it's kind of one of those things where I, I agree with you. I liked him too. And, and you're just, you're hoping like maybe things worked out. Maybe life isn't that terrible after all, <laughs> you know, but it's like, nope, it is. <laughs> yeah. And I think it, I mean, it almost has to be that way. I kind of wished everybody had died. I know that sounds weird. Cause like of all the characters, like Lily, I cared the least about because she's, she's like the nagging girlfriend at the beginning and then she's you know she's just sort of like i like Lily. one of the team is really cute i have no problems with her like i don't hate her character i just think like of all the characters for me to get emotionally invested in it was not her and so See, i think i felt that way about beth and i think part of it too is the actress there's something about her that like kind of just gets on my nerves odette annabelle yeah i've seen her in other stuff and i'm like I'm never impressed by her. You know what I mean? Like every time I see her in something, I'm like, ugh, this actress. You know what I mean? I'm like, any, they could have chosen anyone else, but they decided to choose her. And she's just like, to me, she's just okay. Like, I don't, I don't think there's anything particularly special about her. Um, but I like Jessica Lucas and I think Jessica Lucas is really cute. So I, I liked Lily and I also like identified with her with having this shitty boyfriend because I was like, girl, get rid of that mess, you know, like, <laughs> you know? And, and so, um, and, and yeah, I mean, I think I, I think I empathize more with Lily because I feel like I've maybe been in the same place that she's been before with like throwing a party and having to deal with someone who's being a stubborn ass about it you know and um and yeah and stuff like that so I had no problem with her but um so I was curious as to what happened to her uh much more over Beth and I think that's maybe why I wasn't just wasn't that interested in the Beth storyline you know 
So, yeah. I feel like Jason and Lily, to me, were totally secondary. Like, they were just there um, because you want more than just the two main characters. Mm -hmm. And it was also a source for Rob's, like, crisis. Um, But as characters themselves, Jason and Lily were totally secondary for me. And I feel Rob and Beth were, like, the emotional engine behind the movie. And Hud and Marlena were, like, the most interesting characters to me. Yes, exactly. I'm not really drawn to a love story but that's what rob and beth were and i thought it worked it was it worked well but i was more drawn to hud and marlena and i did have um a couple i i second what samantha said about hud uh i thought his performance was awesome and i really liked him and i i wanted there's a couple tidbits i wanted to mention as well that i really enjoyed and one is from early on when uh rob's phone is dead and you can't charge your phone. And there's like in a, a store across the street that's sort of being looted because everybody's going ape shit. And Rob just bolts across the street to go find a, a, a cell phone battery. And HUD chases after him with the camera. And there's news on the TVs in the store. And the, the, the sense of like f- how frantic the situation is starts to build up and HUD is watching the TV and, he, and he's thinking we've got to get out of here. And my favorite line in the whole movie is HUD saying, Rob, it's time to leave the electronics store, <laughs> which is so stupidly specific. Yeah. I love that he can't just say, we got to get out of here. No. I like that too. Yeah. Store. Yeah. I mean, Rob was on a mission. He wasn't gonna, he was, he was, yeah, he was like, I need this and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, and rewinding further at the movie, uh, when HUD is going around uh, doing the talking head interviews and he sort of narrates or you see how he wants to approach Marlena and this is right off the bat something that makes Ru- uh, HUD super likable is that he starts to approach Marlena but then he gets nervous and he <laughs> yes. away and he goes up to this random guy with like a goatee and the guy's like what's up <laughs> and HUD doesn't know what to do or what to say because all he's doing is is dodging Marlena because he got scared and that's super cute that he got afraid of talking to a girl and he went and just talked to a random guy instead and I like the guy's reaction to HUD because HUD had no plan to talk to him and (laughs) he seems kind of drunk this guy he puts the car on and the guy's just like what's up man (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then, um, and then Hud's like scrambling. He's like, uh, I'm doing this thing. And that, so yeah, yeah. No, I thought that that was cute too. Was he's just like, it's, it's like, a, I, I once was in Meyer and I saw one of my old coworkers and I didn't want to talk to them and they didn't see me, but I did this like total 180 where I was like, nope. And like, just totally turned around my cart. And uh, that's kind of like the same thing where it's like, it's like, <laughs> okay, you know, I can't do this right now, you know? Um, and it's good. It's good. Yeah. One other thing when they're in the sewers and HUD is kind of thinking out loud of like, what this is what where did this monster come from did it come from a crevasse in the ocean or did it come <laughs> from space and marlena says something about superman like i don't like because superman's an alien yeah, from another yeah. world he yeah. says he says he goes, you know who superman i was like what kind of question does she know who superman is yes i think i know who the most popular superhero is thank you very much <laughs> 
Well, I, I, I get the idea that HUD might be a dork and maybe he's in a comics or something and to hear oh. a girl mention yeah. a comic book character time. took him off guard for a moment and he said, you know, Superman and her response was, yeah, Buddha? you do too? Are you aware of Garfield? <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, I love that. that. I know. <laughs> yeah, Lizzie, Lizzie Kaplan plays a lot of like sarcastic, like take no shit characters and I like that about her, you know? But I love that she was like, you know Superman too? <laughs> it just it's good. <laughs> Are you guys aware of the shot from the original video footage of Rob and Beth's date where the shot is overlooking the ocean and that you can see an object plummet from the sky and land in the water? Yes. Yes. Did you see that, Lauren? Really? At the end of the movie? No, I, I didn't notice that. When they're in, the, they're in like a Ferris wheel or something, I think, right? Like? Yeah, something like that. They're, they seem to be elevated. Like after she says like when when she says like this has been a great day, you can see in the distance you can see something fall into the water from the sky. Oh my god! I'm look. Hold on, I'm gonna try and see if I can find the last episode on, or the last scene on YouTube. I don't know if it's the literal last shot of them because that shot is their two heads in the screen. This is just like a shot of a horizon. I I feel like yeah, it might not be the last last shot, but it's oh. the last scene. The last if scene. If you just look up like Cloverfield landing in water, you might find it. But yeah, it's super distant. If if you don't even know to look for it, you might not see it. Um, I didn't. I didn't see it. Like I saw the movie quite a few times, and then somebody told me about it, and I finally, and then I knew to look for it. But I didn't see it without somebody telling me to to look for it. It's super okay, cool, and I... it's like you know a backward. Uh, like a, a backward revelation of, oh, look, the maybe this creature's arrival was actually documented on their first video, Robin yeah. Betts video. And now that tape was used to uh, document the, the havoc it wreaked on Manhattan. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like the movie is like so self-contained. It's, it's cool. Did you find oh. it? Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a scene of someone who is pausing the film and like, circling oh, the okay. object with their mouse to like show you yeah because it's so subtle like I yeah I don't think there was any way I would have noticed it I can barely even tell in this video but that's interesting that's pretty cool I like when they do that I love when yeah. they do shit like that where it's like you're just yeah it, that's good that's a good one that's a good one I dig it and that is presented to us out of order is yeah super, it makes it a lot cooler to me yeah i, I agree. agree yeah and that it's so subtle it's like something yeah. you have to uncover almost yeah. yeah yeah i mean but you know it's also like it's a vital part of what happens in you know the movie because we still are like well we don't know i mean it's it's like pacific rim it could have came from outer space but it's from our world so you know what how are we supposed to defeat these monsters you know yeah. There was something, one more thing that I wanted to talk about. And um, if I had to, if I had to bring up something about the movie that I'm not super fond of, but I forgive because the movie is so strong, it's the surviving a helicopter crash. Yeah. I, if, if they had called me, I would never have suggested have them survive a helicopter crash. I think I like the way the alien like jumps up and attacks the helicopter, but 
it doesn't really need to be in the movie necessarily. Like everything that happens can happen with them on the ground. They never have to be in the helicopter. So, um, without the helicopter, we lose the shot of the B two spirit carpet yeah. bombing monster, <laughs> and I would re- I would regret leaving that on the floor. Yeah, well, I, I, you do. I guess you wouldn't get the bird's eye, which you're right. That that is a really cool shot. Yeah, that I agree. That is a cool shot. I so. I think that part of the reason that that is there is because that is hinting at Lily's death. That's really, yeah. I, I'm just, I'm curious what you guys think. Do you think she survived? I think she survived 100%. What do you think? think? Um, honestly, like I said, her and Jason were secondary to me. I never even considered if she survived because I didn't really care. (laughs) (laughs) You forgot about her. Yeah. As soon as she was off screen. Yeah, um, I, um, I, I, that, that moment really stood out to me actually, um, when she is being put into the separate, um, helicopter because it's already such a terrifying thing that's happening. And now she's being separated from her friends that she's been with this entire time. And I would be like, do not separate me from my friends. Do not do that, you know? And this and is in fact- direct opposition to what you said earlier when you said you would leave us all behind in a burning building. You're right. I did say that. I was like, fuck you guys. You're the worst. See ya, bitches. Um, no, I love you guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, uh, I, I, I think that I like my my heart went out to her because i can imagine just being in that situation she's like you know she her hands are like slamming on the on the window like and you can't really understand what she's saying but you can kind of guess that she's obviously distressed you know and just the fact that you don't know what happens to her and you don't know whether or not she survives is um i i think that that that's kind of my theory is that the fact that they had the helicopter crash was kind of like symbolic for Lily also dying. So I have, I have some comments on that. Um, I think I agree with you about one thing, like I wouldn't want to be separated. Well, for many reasons I wouldn't want to be separated, but there's also the issue of closure. Like if you never, I think that's why, like one of the reasons why funerals exist, like seeing someone, who has passed away is sort of like a way for you to be like, okay. Cause I know that like people who've had family members die in like wars or like POWs or something, you never get, you always think like maybe they're alive, you know, like you never get that closure. So I think she survived and I think she can safely assume that they died if they, especially if they leveled the city, uh, which they did. Um, but she never gets that closure of seeing, like being with them and seeing the finality. And so I think that that's a good argument why I wouldn't want to be separated either for one reason. Like, I'd be like, I need to know what happens. Like, I need to know if I try to call my, like the other day you had this issue. Like if I call my parents' house for four hours and they don't answer and I'm like, what's going on? Like, I just wish that I could get like a portal and make sure that they're okay. Then you go into full blown yeah. meltdown mode and like leave work early because you think your parents are dead <laughs> and you have to call their friends because you're crying on the phone and flipping out yeah no I definitely yeah <laughs> like I just I just need to know that, that people are okay you know yeah. and um so I think that there is that but I don't think we ever see any instance of the creature 
attacking a helicopter except the helicopter that the three characters are on like when they go up in the air he's on the ground still like having like a ground battle and by that time lily's helicopter is even further away than theirs and then when he jumps up in like a final last ditch effort he brings their helicopter down but i don't think that he brought hers down i didn't see any evidence sense Yeah. yeah what do you think mike anything i know you didn't really think about her but I think there's a shitload of things that hap- must have happened during this movie that we don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. Because we have sure. one camera, like what HUD yeah. sees, and not even all of that, because the camera's not always on. So I, just because we don't see something happen doesn't mean it, it couldn't have. Uh, and I kind of like what Lauren was saying about all we know for sure is that just because you take off in a helicopter does not mean you're safe. Yeah, that's, that's all true. Sure. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's like anything and um, you just kind of, you don't know, you know, and, um, and to play on your point earlier, uh, Sam, about, you know, people not getting closure for like the death of their loved one. It's like when, and I'm going to go back to like the true crime thing, but when someone's um, daughter or son goes missing and they never find the body. That's like the same thing. It's like, how can you really mourn their loss when you don't know like what happened to them and you can't find their body? And I can imagine how devastating that would be is that it's just like, I just need this. Like, even if it's just their bones, I just need to know that, okay, that's them and they're gone. And now I can move on and I can, you know, I can mourn their loss, but I can also, move on with my life you know and not always wonder yeah i guess to both of your points um we could look at it from the opposite direction and the three characters don't know what happened to lily like yeah they don't have closure for her either they just are lucky enough to die i guess (laughs) but um no so it's the same it's the same idea for both of them like neither set her or them know what happens to the other one really so that's that's a good point so lauren would you recommend the movie um, I think I would actually. I think that it's pretty decent. Um, I think that it is clever, and I like that certain, you know, like like the way that they did the monster. And as far as you know, found footage movies, I think it's probably one of the better ones. Um, yeah, I think I would. Yeah, you guys. How about Mike? I would recommend Cloverfield to anybody so long as they don't have issues with motion and motion sickness. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good. Apart from that, yeah, I would recommend it to anybody. And I would say if you're a fan of monster movies or found footage movies, this is an absolute can't miss. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yes. Well, so-so, what do you say? I would definitely recommend it 100%. And I almost said this to you, Lauren, but I opted out because I didn't want to worry you. But I I will pair what you guys are saying about the motion sick thing, but don't let the first like 10 minutes get you down. Because like I said, I have issues sometimes with like that first scene with Jason and Lily, but that's not, that doesn't keep going through the whole movie. So if you do start watching it, give it a little bit more of a shot to see if you can get used to the 
the motion. And I almost said that to you, Lauren, but I, like I said, I didn't want to give you any preconceived notions, so I didn't say anything. Well, I already knew, I already knew what I was getting into. I already right. knew that it was going to be very, yes. Yeah, so I wasn't like, I was, I mean, I had, I had mentioned it before to you that I was worried that there was going to be, it was going to make me motion sick, but I felt like because it would sound such a small screen that it wouldn't it wouldn't be that big of a deal you know yeah so i would yeah recommend it 100 percent to anyone because it's it's awesome it's very well made very well acted yeah. so yeah yeah i agree i agree awesome awesome Woo-hoo. so you guys can follow us on instagram at watchers and movies at facebook at watchers and movies we have a website that's watchers and movies.weebly.com we also have an email that's watchers and movies at gmail.com <laughs> sam is <laughs> imitating me as i'm doing this it's very distracting and we are on spotify soundcloud itunes google play and stitcher so if you guys want to check us out there you can we also have another instagram that's called the watchers who find things so if you want to check us out there we i post like movie memes it's fun um not a lot but every now and then so if you're you know want to see something or you like humor, if you see whatever. something say something if you see something say something that's what the um people at the airport always say so that's also what we believe heavily very much so um, <laughs> and uh thank you so much to mike for our theme music and for yep. being a guest tonight or today it's it's afternoon but you know yep. whatever thank you for being on mike yeah thank you both for having me back it's been a blast talking about cloverfield uh Thank you very much. And if you want to find me on Twitter, you can at the Mike Show 42, uh, some pro wrestling content and other assorted nonsense. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And do you have anything you want to plug for yourself? Well, uh, I do. Speaking of pro professional wrestling, I do some work for ProWrestlingTorch.com. I write a weekly article there about WWE main event. And periodically, I'm on the live post smackdown post show with the site's editor wade keller that's the wade keller pro wrestling post show so i occasionally co-host with wade on that live podcast friday nights when smackdown goes off the air awesome awesome it's very Very fun to listen to yeah you do a very good job yes yes i mean i don't listen but i'm assuming it's great This has been fun, guys. (laughs) It's been really fun. If you guys are interested in us reviewing any movie that you want us to review, you may um, you may email us at gmail or at uh, watchersandmovies at gmail.com. But the alternative too is that you could go to iTunes and leave a five star review because that will help us get out there and write the title of the movie that you want us to do or just say like you know something nice we love nice things like anyone and we will shoot that movie to the top and so that will that will get done right away but if you email us or if you send us a um you know dm then it's gonna just end up you know it's gonna we'll put it on our list but it's not gonna be priority so you guys can do what you want to do but we sure love those five stars on itunes and if you love us well you know you know how to show the love you know you know so bye bye